Hey guys, welcome to the show. This is On The Grill, and I'm your host. My name is Paul from Grilling With Coda. Be sure to follow me on Instagram, at Grilling With Coda, to stay dialed into the latest podcast news, and you can check out what I'm grilling up next. Now you're going to want to follow my next guest. This SoCal native and his two friends decided to take their popular homemade jerky and serve it up to the public, launching their unique, their unique take on this American classic treat with that special Southern California twist. Ladies and gentlemen, Brandon from SoCal Jerky. What's going on, Brandon? What's going on, guys? How you doing? All right, man. When's the last time you've been introduced like that? Oh, man. It's been a long time. I don't know. <laughs> it's, long. It's, it's always weird to hear your own name out loud, you know? Right? Yeah. I, did, I think I did a pretty good job. I always have fun doing the introduction. It's always fun to, to work around with, uh, with the words. All right. So uh, we're going to talk about jerky, but I want to get into you first of all. Uh, all right. So you also work as a bartender, right? That's correct. Yeah. Uh, I'm in a bar in Newport Beach called Boss Cat. I've uh, been there for six years. We've been open for six years. Uh, one of the founding members there. And <clears throat> yeah, that's, I've been in the industry since I was eight years old, working at a place in San Clemente where I grew up uh, called the Sunrise Cafe. How'd that work being eight years old? Working uh, my, my mom worked there when I was a kid and back in the 80s. Uh, when you could work under the table and no one everyone was cool with it yep exactly it was very different back then child labor laws didn't exactly exist exactly. in the 80s eight years old you're behind there just just yeah. doing your thing yeah i just went around and um instead of having daycare or child care back then uh we did have a boys and girls club in san Clemente, so that was bitching i'd hang out there sometimes and uh when i didn't want to be there and I'd, late nights with uh my mom had to close i'd go with her and serve up refill waters, iced teas, coffees, things like that, whatever people need, bus tables. So you're eight years old, out. you're working from what time to what time? Just uh, like, whenever. I, uh, so I you're had, there closing with your mom? Yeah, yeah, I had a single mom. So she, uh, w- whatever, I just, uh, I don't know how to verbalize this. So she, I feel like I'm stumbling over my words here. Um, my Sans daycare, because that's, you have to pay for daycare, obviously. Couldn't afford it. So uh, I would just be, hang out and work with her. Hang out and and... I'm a bit of a spaz, as you, as you've learned hanging out with me today. So sitting still is not my forte. So sitting in a booth and and being a kid wasn't something I was accustomed to. So I needed to be on my feet and moving around. So I wanted help. I wanted to be bussing tables and talking to people and filling up coffees, waters, doing whatever whatever needed to be done, vacuuming at the end of the night, and uh, I just enjoy being around people. Do you ever think now that you're you have your own family to provide for and, and you're running your manager at the bar. Um, do you ever f- reflect back to working with your mom at that, at that age? I, I know when I grill, I think back to either my dad, uh, giving me a slice of carne asada and a drink of his beer, you know? And, and, uh, I remember my, my grandfather, he, he always took care of his grill and, and put aluminum foil in it. Are you ever reflecting back and, and thinking about your mom, you know, working there or, or what kind of sacrifices she had to made? To, to, to raise you. Absolutely. Uh, being a dad now that I am, uh, I think about it quite a bit. And I think about how my mom had me when she was 20 years old. So we're talking about her mid late twenties when this situation is going on. And I didn't have my daughter till I was in my thirties. So very different lifestyle. And I remember being in my twenties and I can't fathom being a 20 year old with a baby right and, and single yeah a single well say, say at, at four my parents split up when I was four okay. so um they 
being a parent and, and being a single mom and doing what you got to do to get by. And, and that's why I, you know, touch back on the, on the day, day, having daycare or having someone take care of me and having to pay for that as well. Very, very difficult lifestyle. So it's, it's been a, a very driving force in the back of my brain to make sure that my family now is provided for and that, uh, my girls don't have to have to live that kind of lifestyle sure, or no. they don't have to do, uh, what we had to do to get by, uh, they get to live a, a much more cush lifestyle, maybe a little too cush sometimes. <laughs> no, I, mean, I think that's always the American dream, always to uh, let the next generation be better than you were. Not saying that your mom raised you wrong, she did the best she can. Yeah. But would you change anything about the way your childhood was? I mean, I, I, I think who, who, what our childhood is brings out who we are today. And obviously, you're super successful. You, uh, just talking today, there's more to you than than SoCal jerky uh, to to running your bar. There's just, you have so many layers. Is, is this the foundation of what put Brandon Wagner to where he is today? A hundred percent. And I think the most valuable life content came from a lot of that and, and an outlook and a perspective on life. Uh, you know, you and I were talking earlier today about growing up in Orange County and a lot of the luxuries that that comes along with and sure. a lot of the mentality and lifestyle that comes along with that, that has a, uh, almost a chip on shoulders of, Oh, Oh my, my parents split up when I was a kid. <laughs> so I get to be a lazy schmuck my whole life or, yeah. Oh, this happened to me. So poor me. So, et cetera. Uh, I believe having a lot of diversity and, and, trials and tribulations at a young age and through your life creates a really awesome foundation for doing great things in future life where, uh, I'll give a quick example. Um, being in that industry young and, and we moved around a lot. I lived in an orphanage for a long time and I lived with my grandparents for a long time when I was a kid and I bounced from, from there. My, my, my mother did some jail time. So, uh, <laughs> I ended up going into orphanage. Then my grandparents picked me up from there and then bounced back with my mom for a little bit. And then with a, a great aunt uh, for, for a while in Utah, moved me out there and then back to California with another aunt and uncle and, and with friends back in Utah and crashing in someone's basement. And I was homeless for a while. And what that w- was, what that created was the ability to do what we're doing right now and conversate and talk to people and relate to other people. When you're stuck in a bubble somewhere and you maybe let's say you grew up in, you grew up in Nebraska in a small town and that's all you know, and you've never been to a beach cause you're landlocked and you've never uh, seen New York city or you've never been to Mexico or been somewhere where your language isn't the first language of that country, you can't generally relate to other people. Uh, a big flaw that we have here in California, especially in Southern California, you know, you discuss politics and, and gun laws. Yeah. Well, until you've lived in Utah, Wyoming, Montana, somewhere where you hunt for your food and that food provides for your family for the entire year, your thought process of gun laws is skewed. Absolutely. Until you've needed it. Absolutely. Even, even today, in this day and age, people in those states are still suffering from fresh food and fresh produce being delivered to them. So yeah. it, it, it does play a big factor. 
But uh, being being able to relate to people and being able to have enough of a diverse background is a superpower. Being able to have a conversation with uh, a twenty year old up to a seventy year old and be able to discuss any kind of background, whether it be uh, music, lifestyle, farming, having a, a a diverse enough upbringing that you can understand the way that other people live their lives. Sure. Especially as a bartender too, your, your part of your job is going to be to make a person, a customer feel comfortable and talk to them. And sometimes they're going to want to bitch and whine and talk about their day and feel like you're the person standing in front of the counter and you got to smile and it's kind of taking pour a nice little drink. Yeah. I think I really like the, you know, in the, in the last few years, there's been this term that that's came up in, in the bar industry, the mixology term and mixologists. And, uh, then there's the term bartender or barman. What's and the difference? You got to explain this. Yes. Yeah, so, so for me, and this is just my personal outlook on it. Um, a mixologist is a creator is is an artist, someone that creates a cocktail, uh, for something that they like. They create drinks that they like. A bartender makes a drink that the guest likes. Their focus is the guest. So what, what line are you walking? I'm a bartender. I'm a barman. Um, I do love to create fun things and I feel like I've got a pretty diverse palette, but what's more important to me, I I grew up watching Westerns. I love Westerns, you know, any, any uh, John Wayne, Clint Eastwood, you name it. Um, and even like tombstone and and, and you know, those old Westerns always had a saloon Yeah. and the saloon when, when you came from out of town, uh, the first place you go is the saloon yep. and you go to the barman and you talk to him and he's usually behind the bar for some reason, spit shining some kind of shot glass or right. something. But that was the guy you go to for, you need a place to stay. He puts you in a room for the night. You need a, you know, a, a lady for the night. <laughs> he, he makes that happen. You need something to eat. You need something to drink. You need someone to take care of your horses. You need to find the local bank that you're going to rob the next day. Uh, whatever it may yeah, be, sure. uh, that's the guy you went to. So you are you are you definitely trying to keep that nostalgia of being that that utility in life kind of person to be there? Are you keeping? Are you trying to keep that condition, that tradition of, of that barkeep? A hundred percent. I think that's the most important thing is being there for the guest. The guest works hard. You know, any anyone works hard that if they're they're spending their time with you and their money with you, that's super important. Everyone works hard for their money. Sure. You know, it doesn't matter if you're a CFO or if you're a janitor. You work hard for your money. You trade your time away from your family and friends, et cetera, for, for a financial. And that being said, when someone comes in, that, that's the most important thing, what they, what they need. Maybe they need someone to talk to you. Like you just said, maybe they need someone to, to vent to about their day. Maybe they need, they're in from out of town and they need to know of where they should spend their time. How far away is the beach from here? Yeah. How's this or that? What should I do while I'm in town? Especially being in, uh, we're here in orange, orange County here. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of travelers, a lot of tourists. And like you said, your first person, a person's first impression of California, Southern California of Orange County could be you, the bartender. And you're representing, you're pretty much representing the state, the city, the the county. And yeah. it's, 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 and there you are. Like this is, it could be a, a memorable experience or it could be uh, one to forget. So I, I, I do feel like, I feel like keeping that tradition is, is awesome because like you said, in those old West, Western uh, saloon, type scenes there they were the bartender was the the man to go to yeah 
He was the guy, and I, I like that. I really like that. I like that feeling. I you like, drive in it, you think? I really do. I get excited. I, I like talking. I love talking to people. I uh, love hearing about their day and vice versa, and hopefully when they leave our establishment, they leave happy, and they leave a, maybe a better person. Maybe we've had a good conversation. Maybe they had a rough day or who knows. I mean, anywhere from uh, maybe they're going through a divorce. They, you know, everyone's got their own problems behind their eyes that, that sure. you don't know about. Yeah. I'll give you a quick example. I had a lady come in one time, older lady, super sweet. Uh, well, sweet now. Uh, at first, very brash. Sat down, had, had a little bit of an attitude, wasn't totally sure why. Talked to her. Uh, kept trying to trying to get information out. I was like, I'm gonna kill this lady with kindness. I'm gonna get through this rough exterior. Um, it took it took a while. It took about an hour. Did got, you charge get, her for therapy at the end? Ah, uh, should no. I, I will. Uh, I, I gained from it in the okay. long run. Right. Um, turns out she was brash. She uh, her her father was in hospice, and was in a bad place and uh, basically she was going to visit. She would come down to Orange County. She lived about 40 minutes away and she would come into Orange County to, to visit her father once a week. It was a Wednesday, just happened to be a Wednesday and every Wednesday she would come visit him and spend time with him and then she would come to my bar afterwards to get a drink to decompress from the day because of the sadness she felt. You know, she's losing her dad. Sure. And um, uh, both my parents are deceased. I understand. About that. And uh, so uh, once I found that out, and that was the reason that she was a little, had a rough exterior was that's the, her sadness. We, once we cracked that shell, she was actually an amazing woman. She was sure. super fun, super friendly. And then the next week, she started coming every Wednesday. Next thing I know, I, you know we had a, a common bond. I, I told her about how when uh, I was young, my mom used to make me a, this amazing uh, banana nut bread and... And one of those things I remember from my childhood was my uh, zucchini walnut bread and, and banana nut bread that my mom would make. Right. And it was so good. And she surprised me one day, came in on her, on her Wednesday and brought me fresh banana nut bread that she made. Wow. And it was a game changer. I mean, we both like shared, shared a tear together right. and, and hugged it out. But um, again, uh, could have just taken face value for it the first time I met her and just said, oh, this lady's brash. She's uh, effer. You know, and not, yeah, not putting yeah. the time into her at all and just walked away. But did that bread take you back to your mom? A hundred percent. It was, it was and, and not just that it was, it was great for me. I appreciated it. I appreciate the sentiment, but I also know it meant something to her. This is a woman that's losing her father. That doesn't have any children. She wasn't married. She was a single lady. This was it. Her dad this, was a cornerstone. That was her life. Yeah. And then, and obviously a fantastic baker. The bread was fantastic. Um, didn't have anyone to bake for Right. And, and having the conversation with myself, uh, gave her an opportunity, had a reason, had a reason to, to do something, to bake yeah. and, and do something like, I'm going to make this, I'm going to make this and bring it in for Brandon. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it meant a lot to me and I'm sure on her side, it probably meant a lot to her too. Yeah. Gave her, gave her a reason, uh, to, to do something, not just absolutely live, I think, live I think, in morning. I think, um, <clears throat> in your professional life, you serve drinks and you want to put, put, present a good drink. And then even with SoCal Jerky Company, you're realizing that you can have an everlasting effect with somebody. And for me, barbecuing for someone, you want that same effect, that joy of bringing food to someone and putting in their mouth and allowing them to eat it, enjoy it and have them compliment it. It's, there's a joy to it. And it could bring a everlasting memory of, for you, banana bread is always going to allow you to remember your mom, you know, and, and uh, those times you had with her. 
or uh, for me, it's barbecuing, you know, always spending time with family and friends and cooking. I, I think that's awesome. Uh, no, so you guys are known for your whiskey at your bar, right? That's correct, yeah. And we are a, the whiskey bar. The whiskey bar in Southern California, Orange County. You said something about Yelp? Orange, so in Orange County, we are the number one whiskey bar. Uh, we are we are Boscat, uh, MacArthur and Campus. Right we by are Boscat. Is that a thing? Well, it's, it's a group, you know? <laughs> it's, it's, it's a cult uh, following? I can't say, you know... It, uh, there are a lot of a lot of people, a lot of time, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears uh, from that to make make it what it is today. And the core was just to have customer service was the core right out of the gates. That like we just wanted to be the place where you could rub elbow, you know, come in and get a Coors Light and a shot of Jameson or a you know two hundred dollars shot of Pappy Van Winkle. Wow, you know what I mean? Do a lot of people order that? Yeah, you believe it are or not? Are you serious? Yeah, absolutely. So man. what's Pappy? Got Van a lot of money in OC. In OC oh yeah, right? no, it's a big, big bucks. It's a great area. It's 70 degrees today. We're in January and it's just awesome. Uh, so a lot of people order this Pappy Van Winkle. What is it? What so is Pappy's this? a, it, it's a bourbon from the Buffalo Trace Distillery in, in Kentucky. Very sought after, very hard to get your hands on. It's what's called allocated in the bar industry, which means you have to jump through a lot of hoops in order to be able to be able to purchase it, to carry it at your bar. So does your reputation of a, a, a legitimate whiskey bar allow you to have this Pepe Van Winkle. That's correct. So just a, a, a standard bar that doesn't move that kind of product wouldn't even be able to purchase it. Wow. So, so what, we're what, able to, we, it took us time. We, we weren't able to purchase it for makes, the first couple of years. What makes a whiskey, what, how do you get that price difference from a $20 shot to a $200 shot? Uh, it's, it's supply and demand is a huge factor. Just, it's the difference between a, a, a Honda Civic and a Ferrari. You know, it, it's, Subtle nuances, things like that. There's a lot of time and effort and work that, that's put into it. If you're a uh, a whiskey snob or nerd, sure. Um, I'm, now, I'm, a, I'm a little bit of a whiskey nerd. Yeah, sure. Um, you got a great collection going. I'm looking at it right now, so it's pretty, uh, it's pretty stellar. Thank you. Um, so it's, but everyone's got their own preference, man. I'll tell you what, I, I've got, I've got no problem with Jim and drinking Jim Beam either. Sure. You know, I'm a, I'm a Jim Beam fam, <laughs> fan, uh, along with Knob Creek, same family. Oh, Knob the Beam, good. Yeah, it's Beam family. They got, a barbe- they got a barbecue team, Knob Creek. Yeah, it's pretty nice. Yeah, their, their stuff's great, man. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's also Booker's and Baker's and they, they've got, that's all coming out of Jim Beam. Wow. And they're, they're huge. Those guys are amazing. And so I'm, I, I would never could call myself a whiskey snob. I'm, I'm happy. And if you're, if someone else is buying, I'll drink anything. I'll take, I'll take <laughs> Beggar's Heck, candy choosers. Free you know? liquor is the best liquor. Yeah, exactly. Um, can you kind of tell how a conversation is going to go based upon a drink someone's going to order? Are you, I, I'm pretty bad at stereotyping or I kind of, kind of judge how people want a food cooked or something, but is that the same rule apply for someone ordering a drink? You know, it's, I, I try, I really try hard not to be biased. Um, sure, good. you know, that, 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 that tough guy that might come in you look at him and think like oh wow this guy's got cauliflower ear he just came from a ufc gym and you might think that like oh this guy's a jack and coke guy for sure and then he gets uh uh mai tai or a vodka cranberry <laughs> you just you never know you yeah. know it's it's always something different and then what i've been just absolutely shocked by in the last few years is the movement of women in whiskey sure and in in the past uh 
the the common consensus I would get from females in general was that like oh I don't like brown spirits whiskey's not for me I'm a vodka drinker and this and that and I'm just absolutely astonished nowadays having business women come in that know their stuff and they know their bourbons and their rye and their scotches when did, when did you see this take change how long within the last few years this right. has been a huge huge change what, do you, do you know what changed that you is there you have any clue is it just what, I women think it, women's palates are changing or it's just something they want to experience. They want to be, be a heavy drinker or man. I don't know. I wish I did know. Yeah. I really wish I did. So I could cornerstone the next wave. You know, yeah. we've been riding this, this whiskey wave for a while prior to whiskey. I've been in the bar industry for quite a long time. Uh, prior to that, the, you know, big thing for a long time was flavored vodka. Sure. Um, you know, Pinnacle came out with their whipped cream vodka. And that Ooh. was such a big hit back, you know, 10 years ago. That then three olives came out and they were shooting from the hip with uh, fruit loop flavored vodka, oh, goodness. Uh, s'more, like s'more flavored vodka. Oh. That was, that was the rage. Everyone just wanted to have as many diverse flavors of vodka. So there's definitely a trend of drinking flavors. spirits, spirits. So okay. spirits in general, they, everything comes in trends, just like clothing. You know, there was a time frame. um, you know, we'll say the, the, the seventies where the high waisted pant was, was was hot and then into the 80s everything got a little bit baggier right and then into the early 90s came that grunge phase early 2000s they they did a poo-poo on the high-waisted uh where you know that was the thing that like ooh, mom jeans they called them mom jeans yeah. if, if your pants were above your belly button right and now all of a sudden it's 2020 and you've got 16 year old girls with their their jeans pulled up above their belly button coming back it's back so everything comes in fads and waves and it's the same thing with spirits so would you you had a fantastic question of of why why women have have switched to whiskey in this time frame and and i wish i had the 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 knowledge to know why that what what the ch- turn of the tide was because then I would know what the next one is I'd love to be ahead of the curve on what's the next hot ticket so right. I could I could be ahead of it and right. know what's coming next I had a theory that the next big one was going to be rums and tiki style drinks I thought that was going to be the next wave I thought that a couple years ago um, I'm not a rum drinker myself but I was really under the impression that that was the new, next hot thing and I haven't seen that change happen yet it still could change. Um, uh, being in the industry, talking to other bar owners and, and other bartenders, et cetera, that was kind of seemed like a theme that was going to be coming up soon was Tiki was the next thing. And I just haven't seen that change yet. Whiskey is still the hot ticket. That being said, vodka is still number one. You know, oh, really? vod- oh yeah. Yeah. Even, even at my Landslide? bar being the whiskey bar, uh, Moscow mules, Number one selling cocktail. Oh, that's good. Yeah, even at my bar, being that's the good. whiskey bar, Moscow Mules sell. We sell more Moscow Mules, vodka based, you know, uh, cocktail than we do any of our whiskey based. Nice, cocktails. nice. I'm kind of on a that screwball. We we're talking about screwball earlier. Yeah, I'm on that kick and then peanut I'm, butter whiskey. Yeah, that's good. Um, and uh, Kentucky Mule, I like that. So whiskey yeah. based. Yeah, that's oh yeah, 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 smooth. That ginger beer, I like that kick at the end. That just that that crispness. So yeah. The only bummer of ginger beer is it's loaded with sugar. Nice. It is a sugar beast. If you look at any of the ginger beers on the back of them, they're like double the sugar of a Coca-Cola. Are you serious? Yeah, ginger wow. beer is just full packed. And it's great. It's got a good bite to it. It's got a nice flavor. Yeah. But it has got a it is packed full of sugar. Nice. So if you're if you're if you're cook, kicking down a bunch of uh Moscow mules, whiskey mules and in a partying at night, 
there's a there's a good chance you're gonna have a sugar hangover the next morning. That's probably true. I mean, I, yeah, I'm I'm getting a little better at handling my liquor and, and not drinking to that point, but I can definitely see that going down. Yeah. Um. So that's cool. I I do see a trend in barbecue too. There's a lot of females that uh that Traeger has inspired. Um. Like you said, you you notice that trend in women drinking whiskey. I, I think that's great. Uh, I noticed a trend in hunting as well. Hunting. You know, I follow yeah. a lot of uh, a lot of different bow hunters and hunters in general. Meter. Uh, on Instagram and social media, and I've seen a huge upswing in that as well with with female hunters. Yeah, I mean, hey, whiskey, hunting, barbecue, women are, are coming in, coming in strong and, and taking out this, this stereotypical of men barbecue, men drink whiskey, and, and men hunt. So, hey. Yeah, they're taking over. Yeah, it's <laughs> it, and it's they're throwing, like, on as far as the barbecue world is concerned, there's some great female barbecuers in uh, TV showing that, and uh, it's some of the, they have, I think women have, typically a, a better detailed eye uh, doing this stuff. So it's, it's some nice stuff. They put in some great products. So I, I'm, I'm happy. Um, I want to get back to your childhood. Okay. Um, take me back to your aunt in Utah. So I kind of feel like this maybe sparked something for you. Absolutely. Okay. So uh, what year would this have been? I think I was, I think I was nine, nine years old, something around there. Uh, nine or 10. I, moved out to Utah with my mother's aunt. So my great aunt, technically Christine, fantastic lady, uh, her and her husband and, uh, my two cousins and that are, that are both younger than, than I am and living with her. She taught me how to ski and coming from growing up in, in San Clemente. I started surfing when I was four years old, skateboarding when I was six. And just by looking at you, I could tell everything with a board or ends <laughs> in boarding. Like yeah. you can shred like, thank you. That's, that's pretty legit. And leading up to the story that we're getting at, I think it's pretty awesome. So yeah, being a, a, a board writer, uh, in general and, and growing up here, it's just kind of the part of the culture. My dad was uh, a pro- professional surfer in the seventies. And so I grew up uh, at a very young age being around that and doing a lot of surf trips and stuff to Mexico and, and all over. And I mean, we've got amazing breaks in San Clemente where yeah, sure. Trestles is a famous surf break. I grew up at a, at the top of the stairs of a a, a surf break called two Oh fours. And it's a well sought offered well sought after area yeah yeah I and mean, I mean, just great breaks all over we've got sano old man's uh is it a local spot or is it kind of hidden from the, the tourists? It, it, surfers know it okay so but uh surfers know it anyone else would not surfers are very uh, territorial absolutely like especially in san clemente i think it's like a hunting uh like a like you don't let go of that good hunting land or yeah um, it's very territorial it's kind of funny uh as i got older when people ask everyone wants to know where you're from yeah. and they meet you hey where are you from and I would, I would say that, say, oh, I'm from San Clemente. They say, oh, I love it there. And I said, my, my first response is always, why? What do you love that? Because they hate you. If you're not from there, they hate you. It's locals only, man. My, my old man and all of his buddies, that was locals only. They do not like outsiders no, at all. Yeah, these bits, especially these the beach cities are, are very no, well known for that. Yeah, absolutely. And but I, a lot's changed now. Again, we're, sure. we're touching back in the 70s, 80s, early 90s. There's uh, a, a lot more aggressive back then than yeah. it is now. Um, especially having a military base there now. There's you get a, oh, you obviously right. get a lot of uh, people from from all different backgrounds and all over having oh, yeah. having the military base there, which is pretty awesome. Um, so moving out to to Utah with with my aunt and staying with her for a while. Uh, 
she was a skier and and being out there, it was the best snow on earth, man. I'll tell you what, Utah has the best snow. It even we're, we're exactly it says it at, on their license plate, if I remember correctly. They do, have, if I remember correctly, they do have the the peaks on the on the license plate. Yeah, yeah. It's ah, I wish I wish I remember. I don't want to. I don't want to ruin it, but I, I'm pretty sure it says something about their snow. I mean, they do. It's it's a desert climate technically. Uh, where so the snow is extremely dry it's like baby powder as opposed to our snow here in California even though California we're still kind of a desert climate our mountains uh, there's so much moisture in in our snow that it has a different texture to it it's very wet it's like mashed potatoes what's better for snowboarding the, that dry powder dry right. powder uh, it's lighter it's lighter it's less work to move through trying to push push a board or skis through mashed potatoes just burns your quads it's a lot more work it's thicker it's heavier when you're even if it's powder even if you're riding say let's say mammoth or tahoe and you're in waist deep powder the thicker that that snow is and the wetter the snow is when you go underneath it it's more dense right it's thick and it's heavier and it sticks to your board it sticks to your your outerwear and it's more weight on on your skis or your snowboard when you get that really light no, very minimal moisture, baby powder, snow, you move through it a lot quicker. You can, I mean, you can be in eight feet of powder and just sink through it and pop right back up. It, it feels great. Uh, it doesn't stick to anything. It wipes right off. You don't get wet. It, it's really, it's a really unique texture. And some of the, uh, Utah, Idaho, a little bit of Wyoming, even up into Jackson Hole area have, have that texture of snow. And it's, it's, it's the best in the world. So obviously, you know, you know about these places because you did some professional snowboarding, correct? That's correct. Yeah. I started snowboarding professionally when I was 15 years old. Um, and you know, touching back with my aunt that taught me how to ski when I was nine, uh, got into skis, learned how to use my edges and get on and off a chairlift and quickly transferred over to snowboarding in, uh, the early nineties when it was up in snowboarding was an up and coming sport. And as soon as I put a snowboard on, I never put skis on ever again. And it was such an, such a comfortable feeling. Skis felt foreign. Right. They were fun. I really okay. enjoyed being in the snow. I like doing any kind of extreme sport in general, but they felt foreign. My, having my feet separate and not being on a board and on one thing that the first day that I ever put it on a snowboard, it was a, fr- a friend of mine. Let me borrow when he had a snowboard and I didn't have access to a snowboard to be honest I didn't have one to try and there was no rentals back then and and a, one of my friends had one he had he had really awesome wealthy parents so he had all <laughs> kinds of cool fun toys and nice. and he wanted someone to snowboard with and he knew that I surfed and skateboarded and so his parents had got him he had a couple snowboards so he needed someone to snowboard with so he didn't have to snowboard alone so he let me borrow one of his boards so that he had someone to snowboard with. Yeah. It was a symbiotic relationship. And you're just like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take I was this ecstatic. Yeah. The only problem was I'm a little guy. I'm, I'm now, you know, 39 years old and I'm five, seven, a buck 40 wet. So at, you know, at 12 years old, I was the little guy I was the run of the litter. Yeah. So, uh, he was about a head, you know, a foot and a half taller than me. So we had a giant snowboard. <laughs> he had a giant boot that he wore. So the board was way too big for me, but, uh, still super fun. And, uh, and I you instantly took to it. You, oh, I took is... to it quick. And I, I, I didn't, I didn't have the patience at that age to learn how to snowboard. It was just trial get, by fire. Yep. I, I put it on and, uh, and I, I there, wanted to, I wanted to do, I wanted to surf 
on that thing. I want to. Is there an advantage to having the bigger board? Like I know, obviously, the situation deemed that you had to use that bigger board. But was there an advantage to you learning on the bigger board, where it's heavier, it's not fitting right? Like you have to get your technique down. Is was that part of the factor that, to say then you rather having a board that fit or 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 worked it just for you? Was there was there anything that played like that? I don't know if there. I would say there would be an advantage to it. Um, it would just be. I, I, again, beggars can't be choosers. Like I was just, I was, I was so happy to just get to try it that I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't even know that that I I didn't understand snowboarding enough to, at the time to understand that if a a bigger, smaller, a shape of a board would affect anything. I think I I didn't even have snowboard boots. I had uh, what were called Sorels, which are, you know, for, for shoveling the driveway type boots. Because again, my friend was way bigger than me. Oh yeah. They were duct taped. I had duct taped Sorels. And uh, the bindings were way too big for my Sorels because he had, you know, six boot sizes bigger than I did. So he had like a large binding and I needed a small. So uh, I just kind of duct taped everything together and, and, and wung it and, and would go with him. And it, again, at first I didn't want to learn how the technique, you know, he yeah. was like, okay, you got to use your edges like skiing. You're going to want to go back and forth. And I would just point that thing down the hill at, at moguls, to be honest, at first, which moguls suck for snowboarding. And I just pointed it like a mogul field because I wanted to jump and I wanted to learn how to do, I wanted to learn how to do a 360 on my first day snowboarding. Nice. I wanted those bragging rights. Like my first day I did a three. And uh, in reality, I tried and I would just ragdoll down the hill, man. I just, I, I'd hit a bump and try to try to spin and just eat shit and fall and just and get back up, try it again. That's, nice. you know, being a kid, you don't, you don't feel those bumps and bruises as much as you, as, as you do when you get older. Yeah. So I could just, I just eat shit all day long. And it, it actually took, I think to about my third or fourth time getting on the hill before he convinced me that technique was probably something that I should learn. Sure. And I thought, okay, I probably should learn how to carve. Instead of just pointing down the hill and just going straight until I fall. I think that's a good way to learn though. It's like, Hey, let me, let me do it my way. Especially yeah. like it can, tra- it can translate to anything, but let me do it my way. And then you, you take a couple falls and bumps and break a few bones. You're like, all right, you know what? Let Maybe I should, Maybe I should learn how to do this, learn this right way. So go ahead and teach me my heart, my hard headedness. Uh, got the best of me. Yeah. All right. So you turn professional. How, how does that work? Um, oh wait, do you want to, I, I feel like I keep jumping all over the place. Uh, right, you were asking me about my aunt. No, so, that was so, basically, I just want to know. Like, so that was the, okay. where the jerky started. So let's touch back on that. No, we'll go to jerky oh, later. I okay, want to know, but perfect. we're talking about snowboarding. All right. I didn't know. I don't want to ruin this. I, no, I'm, you're doing I, great. You know me. Hey. I'm going to tangent off. No, we'll, you're doing We'll be good. talking about cephalopods again in, in, in 30 seconds from now. <laughs> hey, I learned something new about cephalopods. If you want to know about cephalopods, hit me up <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure now. I'm up on Instagram. Yeah. I'll teach you all about them. Um, so uh, let's see. So. Again, my, my, my friend let me borrow his board. I didn't have my own board. Um, coming from a, a surf and skateboard background prior to that, I understood what sponsorships meant and having companies back you so that you could have products. Uh, living with an aunt in a, in a spare room in the basement, wow. I didn't have the funds to buy my own snowboard, nor did my family have the means to be able to provide that that for me. Um, that lug it's, it's a luxury sport. It's not, you know, so, and I understood that, that I need to figure out what to do. So luckily again, I had some friends that were cool enough that would let me borrow, borrow things here and there. And, and, and you're still in Utah when all this is going on. Yeah. I'm, okay. in, I'm in Utah at the time. And I figured out really quick that I, I really enjoyed snowboarding. It was something fun that I, I could 
progress at it really fast. And I, again, I knew that in order to be able to do this and and move forward with it, I'm going to need some sort of sponsor. I'm going to need someone to help me and back me, uh, in order to progress and do anything with this sport and keep doing it. Uh, I'm going to need help. And again, my family didn't have the means to do that. So, uh, uh, luckily I would already been, I'd been skateboarding again since I was six and I had a couple at a, a local skate shop in, in Utah, really cool little skate shop. Um, gave me a, a I guess what I'd call like a mild sponsorship for skateboarding that they would hook me up with decks and any, anything I needed to keep me skateboarding it's called black dog. I don't, I don't even know if they're around anymore. This was again, the early nineties, <laughs> uh, black dog skate shop, really good people. A guy named Kevin Geddes. Come on, uh, Kevin, hit owned us up. Sh- owned the shop and uh, a guy named Farley worked there and they would, they, they would kick me down with skateboard decks and anything I needed. And they started selling snowboards. So I went to Kevin one day and said, Hey man, uh, uh, I really want to, I really want to get it, get into snowboarding. Um, I've been borrowing stuff. I, I can't afford a board. And he said, okay, well, what are you using right now? And I, I let him know. And he let me borrow a snowboard and bindings and, and boots. And, uh, he let me borrow stuff and said, I'm going to go ride with you one day. And we went to a local hill called Beaver mountain, just outside of Logan, Utah. And he took me uh, snowboarding with him. Wow. It was really cool. And he was a young guy, a young guy, this uh, young entrepreneur having his own little skate shop. I think he was in his early twenties and I was like 13, 13 years old. And yeah. And, uh, and I, I, I just asked him to have faith in me. Like, Hey man, uh, this is something I, I think I can progress in, like help me. And so he took me snowboarding with him and we went and, um, I, I did what, what we call in, in the, I guess in the industry, huck for the buck, spin to win. And because I was riding with him and I was trying so hard to impress him, I literally just hucked myself. So any side hit, any jump, any cat track, um, uh, I was, I was just hucking backflips, front flips, spinning and just eating shit. By the way, I was, I was not landing anything, but but I just wanted to show that I had potential and I had the balls. Just to, do whatever it took. Yeah, exactly. So we, you know, we, I'd be like, Kevin, watch this, watch this. And I just shoot towards a cat track is at full throttle and just huck myself (laughs) into literally doing backflips and, and whatever off of, uh, off of cat tracks and and whatever I could when any kind of feature that I could find any trees, I just run into trees and try to board slide trees and just eat shit and trying to impress him. And luckily it did. Luckily it, uh, enough. He, he, he saw something. And, and I think it was more, more the factor that like, Hey, if I don't, if I don't help, it, kill help it, yeah, I think that was more what it is. Like, I think it, uh, it weighed on his conscience yeah. that if I don't, if I don't help this kid out, he's going to die. He's going to die like, trying to impress me. Yeah. He's going to, he's, he's going to hurt himself for sure. If he doesn't have the right product, like you got to get a helmet on this little bastard. And, uh, and so he did, he backed me up and he contacted some people from some different companies. I think the first company he contacted was ride snowboards and contacted them and said, Hey, I got this, I got a kid that, that I think Scott potentially can he rips on a skateboard and on a surfboard. And he's out here in Utah now and he's got, there's no waves. And, uh, <laughs> I, I, we want to back him up. Do you have any, any kind of flow program? And he said, absolutely. So, uh, someone, when a, a rep from ride came in and they, they 
set me up with a, a board and bindings and um, I don't even remember what my first boots were. I think my first boots were maybe Vans or something, but they kind of dialed me in nice. and, and got me all taken care of. And at the time, my mom scrounged together as, as much money as she could to help me out and help me out get some my first pair of pants, like snowboard pants and, uh, and a jacket. So that I had. So your mom was back in California. She's sending you money. She was all over the place. She was oh, yeah. in Utah for a little bit, and and then back and forth, and um, and kind of all over. Gotcha. And uh, but when she could, she was a she was an awesome lady, and she she wanted to help. Nice. She just knew that she didn't have the means, so anything she could, she would try. Right. And so she did. She got me my first pair of pants and my first jacket. So then I finally had waterproof stuff. <laughs> Which is nice. Were you eating jeans before? So oh yeah, jeans and a flannel, <laughs> yeah. and uh, and and you know the and, and uh, I had like windbreaker. I think I had like neon neon colored windbreakers. <laughs> There's and, Brandon in the neon. Going. Oh man, you couldn't miss me. And I had long hair like I did. I had like hair down to my butt. I looked like a little girl. Um, and uh, yeah, so they got me on my, my my first kit, and and then I felt then it it was. I had, I felt like a, a sense of ownership. Sure. Like I had my own board and my own stuff, and my own gear that it felt really good to have my own stuff. And these guys backed me for a little bit. Um, and, uh, then I, I had to, I had to bounce around. So I, I bounced, uh, moved back to California. And when I moved back to California with, uh, moved in with another, my uncle, my mom's brother, great guy, uh, great Kading. And he took me in for a little bit in Ranch Cucamonga yeah. and uh in little town. And uh, if you know anything about Rancho in Southern California, there is a ski resort. Mountain high is we're super 30 minutes. Up Dude, the hill okay. So high. hang on. I'm gonna stop you right there. Yeah. Do you remember MTV having winter break there? Back when MTV played music videos. Do you remember oh, that? I remember MTV like the back of my hand. I right. remember spring break. Yes. Spring break in Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. But um, do you remember when they were in? I don't remember it Mountain serious? High though. I'm surprised I don't remember oh, maybe it that. Was, yeah, no, it was Big Bear. I'm pretty sure. Snow Summit. No, it would have been Mountain High. Mountain High is bigger. Okay, so people forget that California has brought out some pretty awesome snowboarders. Oh, the best. We got the Flying Tomato, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know Sean. Yeah, yeah Sean's, uh, uh, Sean has an older brother named Jesse. Jesse White. And um, they're a great family, amazing family. They're from Carlsbad. Yeah, absolutely. And they, they spend a lot of time in, in uh, Big Bear. In Big Bear. Yeah. That's correct, yeah. And uh, yeah, Sean and I, or I'm sorry, uh, Jesse and I snowboarded together quite a bit. Nice. When, when, when I was younger, he was a really good friend of mine. And so yeah, I know Sean's he's a little kid. He's a little, a little uh, what we call a grom, <laughs> uh, following us around the hill. Great kid. And he, that dude was just a prodigy. You, oh. We knew you knew at a young age like this this kid oh, has got what it takes and 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 to be brutally honest man that family in general um they gave 110% to Sean wow. and and they really his mom especially they she traveled with him constantly i, I remember days we would uh Jesse and i would stay at our, our a friend of ours house up in up in big bear just off moonridge our friend Johnny AZ, shout out to Jazzy, Jazzy um, had, a, had a rad cabin up off Moonridge in Big Bear and uh, Jesse and I would couch surf there. We would sleep on the couch there and kind of pretty much live there almost, and which was really nice. And uh, Johnny's dad owned the place, but he, his dad lived somewhere else. So we would crash there and um, shoot, I just lost track of my where I was going with this story. But uh, Sean, Jesse White. 
Oh yeah. So, so anyways, so yeah, Jesse and I would couch surf there and, uh, their mom, Carrie, uh, uh, Kathy is their mom's name. She would, she would get up in the morning. She would, she would stay there too. They would have a room. So they, they got a room. Uh, she, and, and, and Jesse and I would sleep on the couch and, uh, she would get up in the morning early. She would wax Sean's board, wow. wax it, scrape it, make breakfast. And when I would say breakfast, like steak and eggs, like the whole kit and caboodle, nice. lay, lay out the gear for him. Like you're wearing with these pants, this jacket today. Sean's just getting up and boarding. Yep. And it really, she really paved the way for him to become what he became. And again, being a prodigy, it really helped him focus on just snowboarding and not have to worry about all the other nuances. He just set up for, su- and for success. Yeah, she set him up for success. And and it was their beautiful family, all of them, Roger, their dad, just an awesome guy. No, they're super humble. construction yeah, guy. Yeah. And uh, they also have a sister that... Um, She's she's amazing soccer player and the, the whole family's rad and it's really cool to see their dynamic of of creating an Olympian. I just I you got an Olympian snowboarder and then he can, I mean I think the 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 switch to board from skateboard to snowboard it's it's pretty relative I'm assuming. Oh so yeah, for, he's for, he's surf skate snowboard. Yeah, like that so he he's can the and he's an X game rider. medalist I believe in skateboard. No, uh, I think he's the highest medals in x game history i i but as I far as for talking skating, though. i'm talking about just in general yeah. in x games i think i think sean has more medals than anybody that's crazy how can you be olympian snowboarding talent and still be able to, to switch to land and just he doesn't just, understand gravity bro yeah that guy does not understand he, he, yeah. he refuses I, maybe it's the homeschooling or something like he never learned about what man Oh, he has 19. He has nine. My, my, my wife knows everything. She's my, my, uh, she's the Siri. The yeah, Alexa. She's my Siri. He has nine, 19 medals. Um, uh, oh shit. I keep losing track of my brain. You're good. Such All right. Fast. Sorry, bro. So, uh, you ultimately got hurt pretty good. Banged up. Oh, I get banged up all the time. I still get banged up. But to um, knock you out professionally. Okay, what, so what yeah, I kept getting hurt over and over and over filming for different snowboard videos and movies and stuff. 17 years old. I broke my back. Uh, 17 years broke your back. I broke my back. I ended up doing a trick doing, yeah, I overshot a jump at snow summit actually. So summit, um, we were filming for a snowboard video and, uh, I, I overshot a jump by, uh, uh, sorry, not everybody's a snowboarder. So I'll try to, I'll try to, uh, dumb it down, dumb it down a little bit. What that means is large tabletop jump overshooting means that, that, you know, when a jump's built, you've got your lip and your landing transition uh overshooting means i i jumped farther than the landing so i landed in the flats and landed on my on my shoulders and i tacoed my body and Mm. and and broke my back and i ended up in a what's called a turtle shell which is a a big plastic piece across your whole chest and stomach and then another one on your back and it's wrapped strapped around so that you can't move your back which uh, super cool to have that when you're in high school. Yes. So I, I went to public school and uh, was not homeschooled. And uh, I think I went to my homecoming uh, in a turtle shell, yes. uh, which was super cool. I got to see that picture before. I oh leave. yeah, I'll find it somewhere, man. And and the the story uh, as it as it falls out, I still skateboarded. My skateboarding was my mode of transportation. Um, when I was younger, I skateboarded everywhere to school, to any, anywhere I went. And, um, 
the day after I got my, I had my turtle shell on, I think for three months. And the day after I got it off, I was at my, at Logan high school in Logan, Utah. And, uh, uh, I was skateboarding and I was ollieing from, uh, an area that's kind of like a driveway, like basically a parking lot to another parking lot, about a 15 foot grass gap. And, um, I used to skate, I skated a a million times prior to this and uh, I got my turtle shell off and I was so excited to be back on a skateboard and be moving and grooving and uh, I ollied over this grass gap and when I landed I got wheel bite and I twisted wrong and I, I, I got thrown back in my turtle shell for a couple more months. <laughs> Dude, are you serious? My mom wanted to strangle me. I, I didn't even want to tell her. I was in so much pain. My, I, my friends carry me back to the car and I was like crying. I was so scared to have to tell my mom that that I, I hurt my back again and I had to be back in this stupid turtle shell like a knucklehead. Oh, man. Yeah. All right. So you you do spend some time on the, on the, uh, the mountain still and, and you got your daughter. I do. You got your daughter. She's snowboarding a little she's bit, She's right? my little ripper. She's my little prodigy now. My now you're a little, are you easy on her or are you just kind of like, are you guys out there till dark just like trying to land some 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 jumps? Or you, I No, I, or I try just, to be as easy as possible. But what, uh, I want to be I want to be open and just let her have fun. Uh, I don't, I don't even push it. I ask, um, I asked her whenever she wants to go, Hey, I'm going to go ride tomorrow. Do you want to go with me? And to be totally honest, 70% of the time she says no, which is heartbreaking, but I don't want to push it too hard to say, Hey, do you want to skip school tomorrow and go snowboarding with dad? Uh, I don't, you know, I got stuff going on. (laughs) It was a great last year. I got a spell. I do my spelling test on Friday, dad. We have a spelling test tomorrow. I can't miss it to go snowboarding. Like, Oh, you're such a nerd. Who are you? And, uh, so I don't try to push it too hard, but, uh, she's, she's good. She's a natural talent. Nice. She's, she just has this amazing ability. She rides so damn fast. My wife's a skier and my wife can't keep up with her. Nah. She goes, wow. she rides so fast that it's, it's kind of scary. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. She, she's a little ripper and she loves riding with me. We just got back from mammoth. We were in mammoth for a week. I've seen that. It's and your story. That was nice. She rides with me in main park at mammoth and she likes to roll the knuckles and, and she rides right alongside of me. I, I, when I, I hit rails and she just claps and she loves dad hit this. Ooh, dad hit that rail oh hey i want to see you 270 onto this or like ooh, like do this over here oh can you hit that feature she gets super excited and she claps and and it's really fun it's it's uh so at 39 are you still trying to do you get that itch to try just a trick you like i got another i got another 360 in me oh yeah i, I still try to have fun i i, I stay within my limits now. there you go That's the- i have so many injuries like we were talking about i've got a, a uh my, what took me out of my career was i i shattered my left leg uh, when that was it, that was the, the big, that was it. That was it for me. I was 20 years old. I shattered my left leg. I broke my tibia, my fibula, my talus plateau completely off. So I had to have them rebuilt. Um, I had a, a, a plate with six screws, my tib, uh, two titanium rods in my fib, and then another one in the top of my talus. Damn. And it took me out bit. It was, it was a really bad, uh, recovery from it was rough. It took me out for almost a whole season. Um, and I tried to come back and it was excruciating putting on a snowboard boot and trying to get back on the snow was really painful. And the sport is so progressive that when I came back, I couldn't keep up. And I looked at all my friends were progressing so fast and my time down, I, I, I couldn't keep back up. And then I came the next season was my next full season back. And these guys were just light years ahead of me already. And I was trying wow, just one season, one down. season just put me bet. that far behind and I was trying so hard to catch up and, and learn new tricks and catch up and, and do what these guys are doing and filming and traveling. And, and, uh, 
it, it was really difficult and I just kept getting hurt and kept getting hurt and I couldn't help. I couldn't stop getting hurt and breaking things. Yeah. And every time I turn around, you know, filming something and a ragdoll down a rail and I broke my nose 10 times. Holy I've got uh, broken every rib. I've got uh, blown both hips. I've got, you know, you and I were discussing earlier. I just, uh, I just tore my bicep two months ago and ended up in the back of the hospital and my doctor at, uh, doing scanning my shoulder and I have no AC joint, my right shoulder. I have no AC joint. I have a torn rotator labrum, uh, torn bicep. I have uh, bone spurs inside my joint. Um, uh, arthritis, tendonitis, like all the, all the things I've got the same in, the, in my left shoulder is the same way. Uh, I can't really paddle for surfing anymore, <laughs> uh, which just, sucks. Just float out there. Here yeah. That's why I'm, I'm super excited about all the new wave parks, yeah. trying to get people to go to Waco with me to the, the wave park in Waco. And they're, I, I been nerding out on there building a new wave park in uh, Palm Springs. I'm very excited about. So I, that's I crazy. Palm go, Springs of all places. I know, right? I'm fucking hyped on that. But Palm Springs also has a water park and a bunch of stuff. It has a zoo, I think. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't even know they had yeah. that. They got that tram. That tram's that's crazy. The tram's pitching. Yeah, you take yeah. that tram, you're in the fucking desert, and then you go up there, and there's still snow. Yep. It's, I think it's the biggest or lo- biggest or longest tram in the Western Hemisphere. Yeah. I, I was blown out. You know what's crazy is um, you go there, and you're kind of like the only local. It's it's filled with tourists from that don't even speak English. It was great. Um, I, I I never even I mean living in Southern California my whole life, I I, I never even knew it was kind of there. Yeah, we uh, use that on our uh, package for our new uh, our new packaging that. for SoCal Jerky. We have the uh, we did a combo of the we used the the gondola tram uh, image from from Palm Springs, and we me- melded it with the gondola from Mammoth. The Mammoth, my that's great, my favorite little hill here in California. So that's great. It's beautiful there too. Yeah, uh, yeah. We're gonna get to this jerky right now. Yeah, let's I, um, before that, I cooked you up some wings. Yeah, my it's gonna be my signature for podcasting. Uh, you did have the pack and heat. I give it to you first. Yeah. What'd you think? Oh, banger. banger. So good. So good. It was uh, really, okay, so, really so, unique flavor profile. While you're eating, you tell me that you are a wing snob or the, what'd you call it? The wing king. I'm the wing king. Yeah. yeah. It, uh, I, I base my impression of a restaurant on their wings and that doesn't matter if it's a, uh, <laughs> even Mastro's Asian restaurant, if it's Mastro's, if it's a steakhouse. Uh, if there's wings on the menu, I order them period, uh, as an, I always as an appetizer and the way that they cook their wings is how I decide it could be the, it could be a five star. I don't care if you're a Michelin star restaurant, if your wings aren't up to par, your restaurant is garbage. Nice. That's, That's how I base. judge your restaurant. And, and the rest of the food could be good. Their cocktails could be great. Your service could be great. If the wings suck, uh, uh, <laughs> that's that's my that's my lasting impression. I of love that. I might, I might need to have that as my uh, my barometer, my little gauge. Yeah, and yeah, it's it's a big one. And, and be amazed. There's and there's a lot of good wings that come out of places that you wouldn't expect. Yeah. There's a lot of Asian food places that have fantastic wings. Even right. Mexican food restaurants that I've been to that have some kind of crazy Chipotle wing or something that's that'll knock your socks off. That's the good thing about Southern California is you can have a Mexican place with a, a Chinese head chef. Yeah. Or exactly. a Chinese place with like some Dutch head head cook. Who's yeah. Like, you get all kinds of really cool flavor rice. We you know it's uh our uh boss cat the bar that, that that I work for, we have a we have one in Houston, Texas as well. H Town, yeah, and our Houston location is everything in Texas is bigger, so it's it's three times the size of our one in Newport Beach. Nice, and so they're able to have a 
triple the kitchen size. So they're able to do wings there. Unfortunately, we don't have the space to be able to do wings in Newport, but they do a Dr. Pepper wing. Ooh, yeah, what? because Dr. Pepper is is uh, a Houston thing. Is it? I guess that that's, uh, I think it's the, like, the original soda pre-Coca-Cola, pre-Pepsi and stuff. I think, so they're paying, I think, they're paying tribute to... To the, yeah, to to Dr Pepper, with and uh, and I love Dr. my Dr Pepper is my wife's favorite soda. That's what she drinks, and they do a Dr Pepper wing there, man. I'll tell you what, it it's is good. the cat's pajamas. Are you serious? It's so good, dude. Chef uh, uh, Chef Ricardo out there and Patty Daddy make it. Uh, I think the original recipe was done by Peter Petro, and man, these guys knocked it out of the park. And they do a full wing. So so generally, when you get you know you get the um, you get the what? drum and the wing and the, yep. the little wing lift. You get, they they have it all combined. It's all one. You know, usually you do that cut. Yeah, they have it all together, so you yeah. get the wing drum combo. Yeah. in there, and it's they. they some people really serve it up job. like that, and some people like that. I, I tend to, to do the the uh, the flat and the drum. Yeah, uh, that's what it was. The flat. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, uh, some people prefer the the whole wing, and uh, hey, if you like it, and if that's what they're sticking with, that's great. If you're in Houston, uh, go to Boss Cats. Yeah, we're uh, and. Uh, let me know about those those Dr Pepper wings. I gotta know about these. Yeah, they're in, they're in that Galleria in uh, River Oaks area, and man, that place is awesome, man. You, you, you love that. I mean, and they've got a ridiculous bourbon selection too. Nice. But whiskey in general, I'm a bourbon guy. But yeah, whiskey they have a a, a pretty amazing uh, collection. Nice. There. All right. So you had the pack and heat reload rub wings. Yeah, dude. The the I really like that that heat from the pack and heat. Um, What's really nice about it, I, I like the rub. Generally, with wings, people do a sauce. Yeah. And that sauce, vinegar-based, and you get that burn on your lips. Uh, you get that first before you hit, before it hits your tongue. Hit your lips first, and you get that heat. And then you, you need a sauce. You need a ranch. You need a blue cheese. You need something to dip it in to neutralize the heat. And with this pack and heat rub and cooking it the way you did, man, we did it on the Traeger. Yeah, you got a Traeger. We're, we're at uh, we're in your house here, and yeah, uh, you got a new nice new Traeger. You got this this winter, I guess. Or I no. just got it for uh, my mother in law. Got it for me for Christmas. Thanks, mother in law. Let's. Oh, it's it's <laughs> it's it's uh, freaking awesome, man. Nice. I absolutely love it. And uh, you're teaching me how to use it properly. A little bit. I showed you a little I'm bit. Still, I'm still a newbie to this guy. I've been doing yeah. propane and charcoal uh, my whole life. So I'm, I'm very excited to have a pellet grill. And, yeah, no, it's and nice. Learn. And uh, sky's the limit pellet grill. And uh, we'll we'll kind of cut to it real quick. And you were talking about you never really tried jerky in your pellet smoker yet, right? I have not yet. I've, just, I've right. used dehydrators here at the house, but I haven't used the pellet smoker to make jerky yet. Uh, so that's going to be my my next big project, home right. project. Let's get, let's get into the jerky. All right. So let me know uh, how did how did this this all start? I, it's you got this beautiful package. I've had all four. You 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 gave me all four flavors. Um, I am impressed. First of all, I hit you right about. There was no actual rub on two of them. There's no rub visible, and I couldn't believe the flavor. Um, it, it's just amazing. All right. So let me know how, how, how this all got started. So Cal Jerky Company, how did you, how'd you guys get started? How'd you get started? Okay. So I'll give you a, just a quick background on me. We'll touch back on my, my aunt Christine up in Utah when I yeah. went there, uh, hitting the mountain and going skiing. When she first taught me how to ski myself and my, my cousin, Aaron, uh, she taught us how to make beef jerky. I think I was, like I said, eight or nine years old and, uh, we needed snacks to have on the hill with us. And back then, you know, little ski resorts and things didn't have what they have now, the big lodges where you can go get lunch. And yeah. This is a pretty small mountain, Beaver Mountain. Might be huge now. I haven't been there in years, but we're talking the the late 80s. 
um, no lodge, nowhere to get food really. And uh, so you needed to pack something with you to keep in your pocket. And so we learned how to make beef jerky and uh, we made it ourselves, my cousin Aaron and I, and uh, we do all kinds of different rubs and sauces and flavors and we make all of our own jerky and we put them in. And this was just that little dehydrator. Yeah, circular. we just used the dehydrator and um, nothing, nothing fancy, nothing expensive, just did it ourselves. In fact, to be honest, I think when we, uh, the dehydrator was a year in, uh, I think the first, the first year that we were making it, we were doing it in the oven. Nice. We were cooking it in just a, a normal, an oven in the kitchen at a low heat. And, uh, you had to put a lot of sauce on it so that it didn't dry out too much and just become <laughs> like leather. And, uh, but the leather was kind of nice cause you could chew on it for longer. Yeah. We needed to have something that you could eat during the day when you're on the chairlift. Yeah. And it was, it was beef jerky and, uh, oh God, what are those little hard candies? Um, those little rectangular shaped hard candies. Weathers? We lived on those. Um, Weathers, uh. Just pure sugar. Um, <laughs> Starburst. No, it's the hard candies. I don't know. My brain's totally fart, farting right now. I'll come back to it. But we, we lived on beef jerky and, that, and, uh, and, and these little hard candies. Well, it's the perfect food, whether you're hunting, you're surfing, you're, you're, you're snowboarding like you yeah. are. You're just driving in Southern California traffic. And it doesn't need to be, you don't need to heat it up. Yeah. You don't need to cool it down. Like it just literally in a Ziploc bag in mm. my jacket pocket, eat it on the chairlift and just chew on it. Yeah. And, uh, and it's nice. Because you I, want the, the, the least amount of downtime when you're, when you're snowboarding because you just want to be going down the hill on the chairlift. You don't want to go to the, to yep. lodge. And I, need like a, I need a snack on, a snack. The, on the chairlift. Yeah. That's my only downtime yeah. is the actual lift ride. And anyone that's ever snowboarded with me knows that that's literally my only downtime. I don't take breaks. I don't go to the bar. I don't, I don't stop. I ride, I, I, I ride hard until I'm done riding. And then the it sounds like over. you got a, a small group of friends. Just like Brandon psycho. We're not going. Yeah. I got, a, I got a lot of people on the hill that I ride with. I know. I mean, um, but it, there's, there's very few people that, that can keep up with you, not even just keep up with it, that want to, that want to have the drive to snowboard for the sake of snowboarding. Sure. A lot of people, it's a social aspect, yeah. you know, they want to get on the hill and go have a beer and go do this and talk to people and mingle. And like, I'm there, I'm there snowboard. to snowboard. I don't even generally, I go by myself. I drive here from Mission Viejo. I get up at 5am. I, I drive up to Big Bear. And, uh, I get there an hour, hour and a half before the lifts open. I go to the lodge. I bring my foam roller. I stretch for 30, 40 minutes. That's the old man. That's the old man that has to do that. I can't, (laughs) I I have made the mistake before of not getting a full stretch in before I ride. And I I go to, I hit a jump and try to grab my board and I'm like, Oh, I can't, I can't, I can't even reach it, bro. Right. I try to do what's, uh, what's called a method, right? Kick your, you grab the back of your board and kick your back foot around and I can't even get it around. And, uh, so I have to spend the time stretching nice. and, uh, maybe even a little bit of ibuprofen. There you and, go. uh, and so I'm there to snowboard. I get there, I, I ride till about noon, 12, 1230. And, uh, and then I drive home shower and I'm at work by four o'clock. Man, that yeah. is, I do that every Monday and Friday. And That's then crazy. we try to get to mammoth at least once a month with the fam, the full fam. And, and get as many days on the hill there as we can. And we, it's, we take it as stupid as, as it is to say for it being a hobby and a sport, we take it seriously. No, like, I'm the same way. I'm super. We are there to like, snowboard. Yeah, no, for sure. Hey, having a competitive edge still at this age is still pretty good, whether it's snowboarding or cooking or drinking or, or barefoot racing. Fuck it. Yeah. Get after it. Yeah. Super competitive. No, it, no. It, it, almost, almost 
to a default. No, my wife is too. My wife was a, a basketball player. She played all through. I mean, she I think she played varsity basketball her freshman year of high school Baller. to the point where she got a scholarship to uh, Penn State. Wow. Women's basketball. She's a fucking animal. And uh, uh, You ever try to take her one-on-one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've played. And we're both <laughs> super competitive. It gets ugly really fast. Um, and even bowling. Oh, we, we, we take bowling seriously. Like nice. we can't even, we've, uh, we've had get friends over to the house and gotten in a fight where we didn't talk for almost two days over a heated game of Scrabble yes. uh, with another couple. And <laughs> to anyone that get here, you can hear my wife from the background yelling that I cheat because I cheat. Um, that I cheat, but she cheats actually. She, she makes up fake words. She oh, makes shit. up fake words in Scrabble, but we're very competitive, very intense. She just threw everything. down the blanket and the pillow for you to sleep yeah, on the couch. Yeah. Um, but it's right. fun. It's, it's super fun. It's a, it's a very fun competition, but we take everything seriously. It doesn't matter if we're go-karting or if you're, you're, you're <laughs> speed walking. We take shit serious. <laughs> speed walking. Yeah. All right. Um, so give me back to the jerky. Here. Okay. So back to the jerky. We, so, so we started making it at, uh, no, a uh, young age, made, made it in the oven, made it, and then learned how to use a dehydrator later. Just, just so we had snacks for skiing. That was his, it, it served its purpose. It was formed to function, and then uh, which uh, to jump away from this to uh, another subject. Um, now, to to anyone that gets our jerky or tries it, you'll notice the bag size. The bag size is small, and we did that on purpose. The reason for the size of our bagging is to fit in a jacket pocket, a I'm, snowboard jacket. I'm going to tell you right now, just being, spend the day with Brandon, he does take every detail in consideration. It's amazing. Just from his house, from, uh, there's other business fit ventures that we're not going to be able to talk to today, but there's, the guy really has his stuff lined out. The guy, we won't talk about it, but the guy has a art degree. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Degree in interior in architectural design. Yeah. It's like the guy does not sit still for his own benefit. And it's awesome. The guy just tears shit up. Thank you, man. So it was, it's kind of funny. So this is one of those things that we get, uh, flack for from, um, other people and other businesses. And, and, uh, we get the, Hey, why did you do it this way for, for our bag size? So our package size was designed to fit in a pocket, to fit in a jacket pocket, uh, uh, board shorts if you're surfing, and in that pocket, uh, if you race motocross and in like cargo short pocket, whatever. We made it that size. Now it's the it's two point seven five ounce bag, which is the same as all your bags that you see at. That's the standard size. Correct. Uh, yep. Anywhere from two point five to to three ounce is the standard size of beef jerky that whether it be you know Jack Link, Soul Trapper, uh, you know all the uh, Crave, all the the big names out there. Why Dukes. is that such a popular size? Is just a good weight? It's just a serving size. Correct. Yeah, it's just kind of the standard. Okay. I, I wish I knew. That's actually a great question. No. I should look into that. Uh, that that be kind of has become the standard size. Uh, and there is larger bags. You know, everyone does a bigger bag and a smaller bag. Oh, we yeah, do, the family size one. Yeah. We do one size, and we do this one size with this because of the size of the packaging. Um, all the other bags, they're in liquor stores, grocery stores, etc. They want their package to be as large as possible and as bold as possible so it stands out on a shelf. So when the consumer is walking by and they see it, they see that big red jack, red and black Jack Link's bag yeah. and like it stands out above the other ones, right? Um, 
we didn't do that, <laughs> which which we've been told is silly or uh, maybe even dumb. And 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 I'll take that criticism. Um, it was more important to me that it was functional than it was to pop out on a shelf at a at a, at a gas station. Yeah. Um, I really wanted uh, our consumers to be able to use the product for what we intended it for. We intended it to be something that you use as a, uh, a retired professional, uh, extreme sports athlete. Yeah. Um, and my other two business partners, uh, are in motocross and et cetera. Okay. Hang and, on. Let's get back into that. I want to talk about the origination of SoCal jerky. Okay. So or, original SoCal jerky. I have two, uh, two business partners. My, uh, no, I want that story at the bar. I want, okay. Tell story. So my friend, Josh, uh, grew up in Texas. He's uh, he's a Texan in yeah. in Southern California, and just a fucking amazing human being in general. Uh, um, we were just discussing earlier a, a fun story that I had of the first time I took Josh snowboarding up in Big Bear, and we just happened to have about six inches of snow in the parking lot on the ground, and and he's wearing sandals and yes. gets out gets out of his truck barefoot. What's this white in, stuff in the snow? And uh, before he put his snowboard boots on. And just because he's a tough son of a bitch. And that's just how he is. He's in a t-shirt and, and sandals in the snow. And he's, he's, a, he's a Texas, drives a big old truck with a <laughs> Texas sticker on it. And he's just a good old boy. And uh, he grew up same way with uh, barbecuing and and uh, smoking. And he's just, he's very passionate about it. And he loves to, to smoke and barbecue meat. And uh, he's a dad too. And loves, he's just a giving type guy. He's just that guy that he loves to entertain and, and, and be around people and, and make stuff and give it away. Yeah. And that's, that was the start of, of this company was I was, I was at work one day and, uh, at the bar and he came to visit me as, as friends do and, uh, came to visit me and he'd been working on some beef jerky at home and dehydrating it and, and came by and brought me a little Ziploc baggie of some beef jerky that he'd been working on and, uh, knew that I'm a, I'm a connoisseur and a, a maker of jerky myself and wanted to get some feedback and, and how was that original product that I know, I know the recipe is different, but how was his first, how was it was first? good. Uh, it was good. The, the way that Josh likes his jerky, he really likes a dry product. His favorite jerky is the kind that's at an old gas station that's been sitting in that plastic bin for yeah. eight months that no yeah. one's bought yet. That's, <laughs> that's paper thin and it's leather and you, you have to chew, chew it for 30 minutes just to get to re-moisten it so you can swallow it. He loves that. He loves that leather. Uh, again, I think that's just his background of being that kind of dude. And um, to where, you know, I, I like the moisture stuff myself. Yeah. So he came by to, to drop off some stuff. It was a little on the dry side to get a uh, a hinge of uh, my opinion on it and get a little feedback. And, and just honestly, to be a, a friend, like, hey, I made some beef jerky. I brought this for you. Tell, tell me what you think. He came by to have dinner and have a beer and, and shoot the shit and say hi. And uh, so we were talking and he's like, oh, I, dry, I got probably some jerky that I made. Tell me what you think about it. And I tried it. I gave him my feedback of what I thought the positives, negatives of what I would do different. Here's each. Why don't you try this? Why don't you try this, this cut instead? Why don't we try, try a top round, et cetera. Why don't we try, uh, uh, doing this type of rub on it? And, and we just kind of nerded out for a little bit on top of talking our, you know, our, uh, talking about whiskey and, and, and dad life and all the little things that we talk about. And that one conversation led to another, led to another. And, um, uh, we ended up 
making a little bit together. I came over to his house. I brought my dehydrator to his house. Nice. And we had a few set up and we, we went to Costco and went nuts. Bought a whole bunch of different meat. And with the intention of just making with this was just the, just making it for fun. Just for fun. This was just two two two, two dudes, dudes. Uh, being nerds and and having some fun together and spending a little time. You know, uh, again, getting a little older. Uh, I don't go out. I don't go out anymore. I don't party anymore, and uh, I don't get to see friends as much as I'd like to. And you you kind of start to disconnect. And being a dad, and that my my world has slowly but surely gotten smaller and smaller and smaller and as focused around my family and spending time sure. with them. And so getting to spend a little guy time with a buddy and making some beef jerky was, was really needed. <laughs> and it was a really, I remember it like it was yesterday. This, and it was about a year and a half ago and it was just really fun. We, we, we sat with him. <laughs> we're we both really enjoy coffee and caffeine and, we started talking and we started making coffee. We started making coffee before we worked on the beef jerky and our energy levels just shot through the roof. We had way too much caffeine and then uh, caffeine between the two of us spaz guys uh, got intense real quick and then, we're, then we went to the store and we're buying meat and we're buying rubs and sauces and we, we bought way, we spent, spent a couple hundred bucks on, on different meats and rubs and sauces and bought another dehydrator and we're just going ham, you know, we're always going nuts on this and, and making all these different sauces and marinating this one over here and, and, and doing this one over here and, and, uh, and freeze drying stuff and trying where, uh, getting online and trying to learn new, new techniques of, you know, where you, you freeze the meat so you can cut it easier and, uh, and just trying to learn to be honest and like, like, let's, let's have a fun project of this all in all, we both talk very fast and especially Josh, we talk over each other, impossible to get a conversation of, of any importance <laughs> done within, within a, a reasonable time frame. And so getting off on a tangent, we start talking about work and, and he's a, uh, he's the general manager of Cabo Cantina down in Balboa Peninsula and been in the bar industry forever. And, uh, prior to that was at slide bar in Fullerton for the longest time. Um, awesome punk rock bar, uh, our buddy, uh, Jeremy Popov owns and um, what we've learned being in this bar industry forever is that the kitchen always closes before the bar right. always and that was a tangent that we got off on for a while that you know a kitchen may close at 10 p.m. bar may stay open till midnight till 2 2 a.m. and at 10.05 there's no food for a guest that comes in a guest comes in and they're hungry. They may, they be, maybe they've been drinking all day. Uh, maybe they have. Maybe they just had their first drink and they're hungry. They, you got to get something in them to sober them up. And it's not an option at most bars. So we thought, man, wouldn't it be a great option to have beef jerky or, or, or a packaged product at a bar that, that you don't have to cook. You don't have to heat up. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to get through the kitchen. You can leave it behind the bar. It's already ready to go. And... It just kind of makes sense. And there is bars that already do this. This wasn't, this isn't, we, we're not reinventing the wheel. Bars yeah. already do this. There's a lot of bars that have you know, popcorn, mixed nuts, things like that. Uh, beef jerky, you know, things like that. They've, they've already done it. But the bars that we work at did not do this. So we thought this would be a really cool thing for our friends and other bartenders and bar owners to, to bring to the table. So we made a bunch of beef jerky and started giving it out. And to all of our friends and, and bringing it into the bars and, 
and quickly learned that you cannot sell beef jerky <laughs> to, uh, via a restaurant or a bar that's in a Ziploc bag that was made in someone's kitchen in Newport Beach. <laughs> Go figure. Yeah, right? So you got to be FDA approved and you need USDA meat and, and all the... the uh, red tape. All yeah, exactly. All the, all the red tape and... And all the licensing and yeah. and the business license and, and and everything you need to be a business, and that is where our third partner Jesse comes in. Jesse and Josh have been friends for a a long time, and uh, the dude is a brain. He is he's he's got a beautiful mind, and uh, maybe one of the smartest humans I've ever met. I I didn't know him prior to starting the company. Him and Josh have been friends for a long time. Josh introduced me to him, and. Um, uh, he's the business aspect and he's the guy that knew how to do all the, the paperwork and how to make this an actual business so that we could do the product. We had a bunch of friends that said, yeah, we want to carry the product. We want, Hey Brandon, yeah, Brandon, let's carry the jerky. But this is the recipe that you're the one you're pitching is the recipe that we're, I'm eating today right now. Oh no. We, I mean, we tried a hundred different recipes. Oh, okay. We out in the beginning. Dude, this shit is so good. Thank I, you, I, I, yeah. We tried, I mean, we had weird stuff. We tried everything. Some of it was bad. Some of it was good. Some was bad. But what we, the, the reason we did that was to get feedback. Sure. So we gave it all away. We were eating it, giving it away to all of our friends. Dude, this shit's not cheap. Yeah, he's right. Top but, is not cheap. You're absolutely right. And we, I mean, we weren't just doing, we were doing, we were doing tri-tip, top straw, you name, we were trying, I mean, flank, uh, carne asada. Like we were using every type of meat to, to learn. We we're learning as, as we went, what meats worked the best and, uh, what flavor profiles worked and if sauces worked, rubs worked and we're just having fun, you yeah. know, having fun. And, uh, but we needed to make a business out of it. So we, we got as much feedback as we could. And we asked, you know, what, what do you guys want? What do you like? What do you, what do you like? Do you like something dry? Do you like something wet? Do you like this? What size do you like? What, uh, uh, et cetera. That, that now touches on, on our ingredients. Um, my, myself, I'm a huge jerky connoisseur. Um, I, uh, I can, am I allowed to like drop a name of my favorite jerky? That's not SoCal jerky. Hey, you're the one who's in business with jerky. If you want to Okay, I love Old Trapper. Old Trapper peppered jerky is the bee's knees. Um, now, that being said, they're not, they don't hit all the check marks of uh, being a health food product, but hot damn, if it's not good, it's delicious. Road trips, like that was my, my jam. Old Trapper peppered. And um, unfortunately, all the, the big name beef jerky companies have MSG. Uh, another unfortunate thing is yours truly is allergic to MSG. When I say that, it's it's not the eye, eye thing and the nose running type of allergy. For anyone who doesn't know, please explain what MSG is. I, it's it's a uh, uh, seasoning, technically. It's a, it's like a, it's a salt type type of seasoning. Right. Um, and it's a fl- it adds flavor. Correct. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a flavor enhancer. Um, and typically, this can be seen from actually a lot of rubs have MSG. Yeah, a, uh, a lot, a lot of food in general. A lot of food yeah. in general has MSG. Yes. Yeah, it's an additive. Um, what happens to you when you have MSG? I get migraine headaches. Wow. Yeah, and and I, I mean I've had migraines my whole life, and a lot of you know as a young man I, I had, even in high school I get migraines so bad I was on prescription drugs for it I used to have to take shots terrible um, I'm, I'm scared to death even if you look at me I'm covered in tattoos so you'd never know I'm scared to death of uh, <laughs> needles but I'm scared to death of syringes I have a, a, a phobia of syringes. Um, 
needles don't bother me. Like getting tattooed doesn't bother me. If I get a, you know, a piercing or something when I was younger, didn't bother me. But syringes make me, I want, want to throw up. That's it scares crazy. the shit out of me. So I used to have to get shots in my, uh, I had this, this cool gun, uh, uh, like, like an EpiPen type thing that I, I'd have to shoot myself when I would get migraines when I was younger and then uh, dissolvable pills under my tongue and et cetera. Horrible. I didn't know why I would get migraines. It wasn't just the MSG. It had a lot to do with a, a lot of other factors, uh, sunlight and, and other things. But it's a, it, it is a factor. MSG gives me migraine headaches. Now you got another so, uh, Josh or Jesse there, gluten. Jesse. Jesse. Jesse has celiac disease. So I didn't know about celiac until um, actually I was introduced to the Reload team. One of the other Reload, Reload Rudd members, uh, Gathering Health, Kristen, has celiac. I didn't know about this, uh, this disease or, or what it entails. So to be gluten free, uh, I didn't realize how many problems it could cause to some people who have the celiac disease. So it's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. It's, 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 it's gnarly. It, um, it's, uh, debilitating to a point where, you know, it, it the, the saddest part about the, the gluten free and the celiac thing is that it's, it's become a term that's been thrown around uh, in in all of food and beverage in the last few years. It's a it's a buzzword, and I hate to fall into that category of being a buzzword because you know we are a gluten free product um, for that reason uh, for Jesse and people that that have celiacs and, and whatnot. Um, I'll give you a quick little story that 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 uh, Jesse shared with me one time. He was at a Mexican food restaurant, and most Mexican food restaurants. Uh, you know, you get tortilla chips, tortilla chips, you know, that they give and, and salsa that they drop at the table, right? Generally made out of corn and corn chips, generally gluten-free for the most part, right? Yeah. And, uh, and fine. And so Jesse went to a, a Mexican food restaurant one time and had chips and salsa. Unbeknownst to him, they were flour tortilla chips. Nice. He didn't know. And sick as a dog for, for, and not just like getting food poisoning and you're sick for 24 hours. He was for, for a week or two, he was in really bad shape, really bad shape. And I, I won't go into the subtle nuances of how, you know, what happened to him, but, but it's that debilitating for people that have it. It's, it's a big deal. So, um, so we want to hit that check mark. So and, the first thing you do when you hit these check marks is you take the gluten out, you take the MSG out, you think you lose flavor. But with your product, I tasted all four. Zero flavor loss. Uh, I told, I told Brandon before this. I feel like you could blindfold myself, and you couldn't tell. Like this product stands alone by itself, and it could stand with a product that has MSG. MSG has that flavor enhancer that I believe can, can, uh, you know, lead someone to have a, a better taste. But you don't, you don't miss a beat. Same thing with the the reload rub. No MSG. Um, uh, this stuff and to be grass fed, uh, let me get into the grass fed. Tell me about the, the, the cows you guys use. Okay. So, so going back on what you were just saying with the grass fed, that was a big factor too. Um, you know, we didn't want to have all those, we you know, no, uh, preservatives and nitrates and all the, uh, the BS. Did this just come added. with the being gluten free and no MSG? I mean, you could have gone easily just to, to a regular corn fed, uh, cow. Did, you're did, you're we, absolutely right. We could have, um, we, we just kind of. At, we, when we were at a point, you know, the, the pendulum swings both ways, right? We wanted, we were already at a point where we were, you know, no MSG, no nitrates, no preservatives, um, and, uh, the going gluten-free. We just said, you know what, at this point we, we want a health food product and being, uh, you know, a retired athlete and, and a go, go, go all the time. 
and being a dad and, uh, you know, my girls eat the, eat our beef jerky. I want to have a product that is, you know, essentially a health food product yeah. that if they're going to, if they're going to eat meat and they're going to have it, I want it to be the best possible product. I don't half-ass anything in my life. I give 110% to everything. And so I kind of feel like if you're going to do it, do it right. Right. Was that George Michael that said that? Sure. Right. Wham. Right. He said wham. If you're going to do it, do it right. Sure. Right. Do it with me. Um, so we, re- we just really wanted to hit it on the head and make the best possible. If we're going to do it, we're going to do the best product. And, and grass-fed beef has a different flavor. If, if, if you haven't had grass-fed beef next to corn-fed or, 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 or other type or some just, you know, generic, it tastes different and it has a natural sweetness to it. And it's to where, which is beneficial to making a beef jerky product, lessens the amount of any kind of sugar that you might need because you've already got a natural flavor there that's that's already nice. You're not you're not uh it's got a good foundation. When you've got a good foundation for a product, it's very easy to build on. Sure, absolutely. You know? Then you don't need a whole lot. You want that product to shine. I want the meat uh to shine more than anything we've added to it. I think that's what's beautiful about your jerky is the meat does shine and the marinade and whatever rub there is on there shines as well. But they don't overpower each other. They complement each other. And I think it's the best. Like you, you're not solely based. You're not peppering or, or marinating a, a shitty cut of meat and letting the rub shine. You're both of these aspects are shining, and it's fucking awesome. So Thank forty-seven you, grams of protein is uh, unreal. Yeah, they've got a ton of protein, and we do less than one gram of sugar. Uh, per bag, which is funny when you have the, your nutrition facts, you know, everything has grams, et cetera. Well, we're, we're at such a low point of sugar that, that you can't even actually mark it on there. So it just says less than a gram, uh, which I know people that are doing keto now and different diets and things like that. That's a, a huge factor to, to try to get that sugar out of your diet. So we really wanted to hit on that too. So we use, um, uh, pineapple, real pineapple, pineapple juice, that's in the pineapple in teriyaki. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and most of actually all the flavors have, that's the, that's pretty much the sweetener that we use is, uh, is pineapple, which a lot of people don't know. Pineapple has a, a very high glycemic index, but it's fructose. So it's, it, it's natural as opposed to just adding some kind of sugar sure. in that's, that's what we opted to do. Um, we also do have a, if, if, you know, you read our nutrition facts, we do have a soy in there. We have a soy sauce. It is a gluten-free soy. That was uh, super important. Um, there is other ways to go about it. There's liquid aminos, etc. We tried them. We tried a bunch of different stuff. Uh, you know, a lot of people nowadays that are super health food nuts uh, read really into the nutrition facts and they have their questions. So I like to answer them in, in, in advance so they don't have to ask the questions uh, why we did certain things. There's a give and take with everything. And with with our product, there's we really wanted to have great flavor. We wanted to hit all the check marks of, of being a, a health food product and being something that you can be comfortable eating and not, not a guilty pleasure, a pleasure pleasure, and uh, something you feel good about eating. And um, we needed to keep a few things in there. To, to make sure that it was that, you know, you, you get to a point where you say, okay, gluten-free, grass-fed, no MSG, no nitrates, no this or that, no soy sauce, no this. Uh, and then it, it, it tastes like shit. No, you, that's, f- that's you guys the found thing. the magic ticket to, yeah, we tr- to, to balance out the, the health area and also not lack the flavor and just that jerky flavor. You, you, you know, you eat jerky. It doesn't taste like it's a cardboard. 
um, so you're using the top sirloin cut, right? That's correct. Yeah. Grass yeah. fed. And this is a New Zealand cow. New Ze- yeah, the majority of the, of the of the cows we get are from New Zealand. If you, I mean, New Zealand's a beautiful freaking place. I would move there tomorrow if uh, <laughs> if my wife would let me, because you can surf surf skate and snowboard all in one day. It's, there it's, too, it's like Southern California. Yeah, just like Southern California. Wow, I didn't know that. And yeah, they have super high peaks. Uh, New Zealand is a a really unique island that uh, um, it just shoots out of. The, I mean, from the ocean straight up. Their peaks are really high. They have fantastic skiing and snowboarding there. They also have amazing surf breaks, and it, uh, the people couldn't be any nicer. Um, and that being said, I mean the the cattle coming from the New Zealand area are just. Uh, not just grass fed, but they're, I mean, they, they're for lack of a uh, better terminology, like they, they live a great life. I mean, you know, everyone sure, says like no. happy cows come from California. I mean, New Zealand cows have got to be just as happy. And I'm a, I'm a firm believer in, in not to get too off and crazy, but in, in positive energy and positive affirmations and et cetera. And I believe that when you put something positive into your body that you, you, your body feeds off that. And I think that, uh, an animal living its, its best life, um, translates into you being able to do the same. All right. Uh, let's see the marinade. You, the marinade is a 24 hour marinade. That's correct. Yeah. It's, uh, and it's in a tumbler, uh, some super fancy machine. So we had to get to a point to, uh, get this business um, off the ground and, and get it up and running and, and get into uh, the bars that we wanted to put it in and, and uh, different shops and stores and butcheries and uh, et cetera. Um, we had to uh, think a little bit bigger. Originally, we just wanted to be a little small company out of Newport doing making, making beef jerky for our friends. And we uh, very quickly learned, uh, especially through Jesse being a, his business savvy as he is and um, that, Hey, we need to, we need, this needs to be bigger. We need to do more production. So this is all within a year. This is all within a year. We, I mean, this is within a few months of starting up that we went from doing, you know, a kitchen to doing 2000 pounds at a time. Gosh. Yeah. And a lot of, you know, everyone out there that, uh, wants to make their own jerky and that when you're doing, when I say 2000 pounds, that's 2000 pounds of raw meat. Uh, which does not turn into 2,000 pounds after you dehydrate. You lose anywhere from 60 to 80% of that meat, of that 2,000 pounds in the dehydration process. You lose a ton of it, which means you lose a ton of profit. This is, um, I think that should be another one. If you want to do your own beef jerky, uh, awesome. If you want to do a company, there is not a, there is no profit. <laughs> this is definitely, this is 100% a passion project for uh, my business partners and I this is something fun that we do it's not a it's not a job it's not a full-time job we all have full-time jobs this is just something that we love to do and it's fun for us and it's a passion project there's no money to be made we have uh, we've lost a lot of money we've uh, we've dumped our life savings into into doing this because we enjoy doing it and it's that's crazy but uh, we have not made a penny nor do we we plan on making any money in the near future but there's not when you especially when you're doing grass-fed beef and doing what we're doing that profit margin it couldn't be any smaller for you to be smiling in front of me right now telling me that you're not making any money <laughs> no, and money. you're just making this out of passion yeah uh, it's it's uh, it's awesome and you can definitely feel and taste the passion it's from from the packaging to the jerky to the taste, it's just you could taste the passion, just like in barbecue. You can taste, uh, you you could taste if you were 
unpatient or you 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 took your meat off too long or put put it on too long this is this is just made from start to finish with love uh, being with three owners how, how how are decisions made how are these recipes finalized what's are you guys rochambeauing it's is it you guys kicking each other nuts and say this is what we're gonna do i mean no we actually we have a i mean we have a really good relationship um just because we're so different uh you know, we got the, the, the brain, the heart and the face, basically, uh, Jesse being the brain, Josh being the, the heart and me being the face, I guess, you know, or the body. Um, it's, we, we all understand that we have abilities and, and we specialize in different things. Uh, I come from an art background. I went to art school. I'm an art nerd. And, uh, so when it comes to that type of thing, like, you know, we just did all of our repackaging and, and designing and things I do, I, I, I take that into, I do that part. Um, when it comes to having to deal with lawyers and business stuff, that's, you know, Jesse's realm, that's his forte. Um, Josh is, uh, man, he's just a, a bulldog when it comes to business. He's the guy that, um, man, almost a hundred percent on him has all the, the, we're in, you know, a few dozen different stores, um, and butcheries and bars and things like that right now. And we're trying to expand the business and he is, he is. And everything the, can, can be bought online, right? Say that one more time. Everything can be bought online. Yep. Yep. We sell online. Um, and again, in Orange County, we are in a bunch of, we are in quite a few stores. We're trying to expand. I think we just uh, expanded up to, uh, we're in a few different stores in Washington and, um, we do a lot of, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Like a lot of, uh, um, there's subscriptions for, okay, for, for jerky companies. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. What, what would you call that? Like we do mail, mail like the mail order, like, like, like there's uh subscription things where you can be part of uh, yeah, jerky yeah. gents and, yeah. and things like that where, um, every month they send you a different, uh, flavor, different brands and things like that. I know and the big so thing too is, uh, like we, men, men packages as far as like, Hey, here's a knife. Uh, yep. Yeah, exactly. Like a, yeah. So we, we've linked up with a, a few different companies that do that. Um, and subscri- subscriptions, that's the word, yeah. that's the word I was looking for. I think you did say it. Yeah. And, uh, so we, um, we've linked up with some of them and, uh, so we, yeah, you were asking about the flavors, the flavors, we really wanted to be, uh, diverse along. We, we only have four currently. We have worked on several more. We have several more in the works in the, in the near future. Um, we have uh, we original our original flavor. Yeah, original is great. Um, I'm typically, I typically tend to 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 transgress to the original just because it's probably the best way you can get the flavor profile of the the meat and and you can set the tone for the other ones. I love the original. Great, awesome. Uh, you call it the OC original. Yep, Perfect. OC original. I originally we wanted to call it OCOG and uh the <laughs> oc original and that one we just really wanted the the product to shine as in the grass-fed beef we wanted the meat to shine and we didn't add a whole lot to it we want a very very simple minimal ingredients um, i think you guys hit the balance of meat between the moist and the dry There's, thank you yeah, yeah that's that's like, it's not super important to us. if you're not because you, you do have people that do tend to like a dry jerky yep or you do have the super moist, but I think there's like that perfect balance that I, I love. You can, you're not trying to rip out, you're not going to rip out your incisors trying to, trying to tear this thing out. Like and that was it. The, yeah. There yeah. was, like I was saying earlier about Josh, he loves the dry and yeah. I like the little bit more moist. So we just found a mid ground. We found, you know, a common ground between the two and, and that's what we came up with. You nailed it. It's not like it's raw meat. It's just a good, 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 
cook of, of jerky. Perfect. And then, so then the next one we went on to the, that is, you know, we'll go from mild to wild here. Um, uh, moving, moving laterally over to the, uh, pineapple teriyaki. Uh, that flavor came from, um, the kids, uh, our kid, my daughter, uh, my eight year old abs is her favorite. She can crush a bag. We throw it in her, in her lunchbox for school. Um, my wife's favorite. It's got just, just the right amount of sweetness to it that it's, that without adding sugar, just using the pineapple. Um, the that, teriyaki, kids that teriyaki love it. roll is. Yeah, it's just got, right? It's got, it's just got a, a nice sweetness to it. It's easy to eat. Um, it gives it just a little bit of flavor. And, uh, and, and that one's mainly for the, the, every man. Everyone can eat that one. Where, okay. you know, the spicier ones are for people that like spicy, not people that like spicy, then maybe not like sweet and vice versa. People that like the, the sweet stuff. Ground. Like a medium ground. Yeah. And my, uh, you know, my daughters, they, they, I mean, they, they do, they do not like the, uh, the spicy stuff at all. So this one's perfect for kids. Um, and, and, and anybody like you were saying, what was the, that awesome, uh, rub that you, you let me try double action. So I did, I did serve, yeah. uh, served the uh, pack and heat double action and the fully loaded. Yeah. That double action was just, just awesome right down the middle and it, and perfect for, uh, for everybody. Yeah. And I like that. We, especially when you're cooking for a lot of people, you know, you're You're cooking for 20 guests that are coming over or Christmas or Thanksgiving or something like that. You yeah, need like, something that everyone can enjoy. Like, I don't want too peppery. Oh, I don't want that's too hot. But like that, like you said, like this, this as correlation to the, the rub and then, uh, the pineapple or your, 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 your jerky, the pineapple teriyaki kind of hits all flavor profiles where you can just, it can be universal, universal, uh, taste. Yeah. And then we move from there. We do the sweet sriracha and, um, that one, uh, honing in, like we were talking earlier, sriracha itself, uh, is from Southern California. And a lot of people don't know that they associate the, the rooster, the rooster sauce with, uh, being an Asian thing. It was started by an Asian man, but they are based and, uh, were formed here in Southern California. So we, uh, paid homage to them. We do a sweet sriracha flavor and that's got a little sweet on the front end and a little kick in the pants on the back end. Just, uh, that's, that's what I love, especially with good barbecue. There's a flavor profile that keeps going. And like you said, the sweet rolls in first and then you get that sriracha at the back end and yeah. it's just amazing. It's just awesome. Yeah. We, and I really like that. I think feel like it's, I'm a, I'm a big bourbon connoisseur and, and I like that. I like all the nuances of the flavors. Like you were just saying of the barbecue, like where you get that, Ooh, I get that, that, uh, that heat on the front end of a good bourbon. And then, Oh, I get the caramel on the back end. Oh, now I can taste that Oak and you get all those flavors mixing around and melding in your mouth. And same thing with the, with, the, in my opinion, the sweet sriracha, I get all that. I, I really like to mix this one with, uh, mixed nuts, uh, the almonds and things like that. I get the at Costco, get Kirkland brand. They call it the fancy mixed nuts, yeah. um, where it's the the unsalted one. So the salt doesn't take away from the flavor. You just get the it's almonds and cashews and um, 
And then we mix, we take that mixed nuts and we also add in walnuts and other, uh, other things. You just roll it up like a burrito or what? Uh, No, I just eat them together. I get a Ziploc bag. I put that, I put the nuts in a Ziploc bag and then I have the bag of beef jerky and I I eat a lot when I'm driving. Obviously I drive up and down the hill to Big Bear quite a bit and I'm always on the go. So I get up in the morning, I drive to Big Bear, I go snowboarding, I drive home, shower, I'm at work by four o'clock and then I close at night. So a lot of time my eating is in the car and it's fantastic for being able to just have a Ziploc bag of nuts and that together. And then I get my fats and my proteins together and it keeps me going throughout the day. keeps my brain cognition going. And I, I like that combo a lot. And it, and it, um, that little bit of heat on the back end is neutralized by the creaminess of the nuts. And it, I really like that combo together. I think even still with the amazing flavors, even with a, a bold flavor like Sriracha, you still do not lose the flavor of the beef. You're not masking the fact that you put grass fed and be- grass fed beef as your product, as your meat, you're not trying to cover it with your recipes. Right, right. You hit it on the head. I'm glad that I'm, I'm really happy to hear that, uh, that translates, you know, no. you, when you put the effort in you, in, in you, you know, we have that discussion. We really want this to stand out that the fact that you're able to taste that is I'm stuck. I couldn't be happier. No, absolutely. You, you, yeah, you can tell like, if you're going to put the time in to, to spend the money and put the grass-fed beef in, you need to be able to taste that. It's a beautiful meat. It's a beautiful cut. Like I said, the texture on this beef jerky, it just rolls right into your mouth, and you just want more. I'm, I'm sitting here doing this podcast, and I just, I'm just keep eating. All right, give me to this last uh, spicy so, Korean barbecue. Yep, and the very last one we have there, yeah, spicy Korean barbecue. That one is the kick in the pants. That one, for me, uh, real spicy. Um I had a, I got a fun little story with that one. Uh, we were doing at the, the butchery in Newport beach, awesome butcher shop that carries our product. Uh, they invited us in to do a sample day. So I, I went in and hung out and set up a table and did samples for people that came in and talked to people. And I had a, a, a little girl, I, I, she couldn't have been over 10 years old that came up and looked at me and I had all the samples laid out to try. And I started talking to her and she reached for the Korean barbecue. And like I said, for me, that's it. I feel like it's very spicy and she reached for it. And I said, Oh honey, maybe go for the, the pineapple one over here. That one's really spicy. And she put it in her mouth and chewed it and looked me in the eyes, dead eyed and, and chewed the whole piece, swallowed it and stared at me and said, you're a wuss. <laughs> and so it obviously, it wasn't too spicy for her. So uh, apparently, I'm a wuss. I, I learned that from a, a 10-year-old random girl at the butchery in Newport. She's calling you out. Yeah, she, she totally she called me out. One. You but me. that one is, we do a lot of uh, beer festivals and brouhaha, brouhaha, things like that. And um, beer drinkers love this one. It's got, it's got a, a good heat to it. It's got some awesome flavor to it. Um, it does even, even though it's spicy, it does have a, um, a really nice sweetness to his uh, sweetness to it as well. And it pairs great with a, with a beer. No, it's, um, it, it's great. Yeah. We, we at all the beer festivals, that one sells out. We can't, we can't keep that one in stock at any of them. And, uh, so any beer drinkers out there, especially the, you know, with the, the micro brews that are out and, and IPA all the or, IPAs yeah. that have the, those hops and hops is, is a very pungent flavor. No, it's, I mean, absolutely. it's, you can't, it will change your flavor profile, especially even if you're barbecuing, if you're cooking, when you have a, a, a heavy IPA with something that you're eating, it will change your palate. Uh, and this one, I mean, it fights back. It, it kicks back like a kangaroo. It's good. It's good. Um, I can definitely see it pairing well with the beer. Uh, I can't choose 
my flavor f- favorite flavor. It's just like me choosing my favorite uh, reload rub. It's 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 tough. Uh, how are you guys finalizing these these recipes? Is it consensus? Is it yep. just you just hit on the head? It's it's it was that first couple months of making a whole bunch of product and a whole bunch of mistakes and and letting everybody try them and and basically letting the consumer tell us what they want. Uh, what what do you want to see? If we you know if we decide to make a business out of this and we decide to um, go forward with this product, uh, what what do you think? And Across the board, we, we tried to hit everyone's flavor profiles. We wanted to hit the people that just want original with nothing on it. Uh, like you were telling me earlier, most originals have a lot of salt and pepper on them, which we tried not to do. Um, we really wanted to hit that one that's fun for kids. And we wanted to hit those spicy ones and for the beer drinker and the whiskey drinker and 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 have a uni- be across the board, have enough with that minimal, I mean, four is a small number of flavors, yeah. but be able to, to touch on all those different palettes. Everyone's got a different palette. Everyone likes something different. You know, you and I were talking earlier about, about booze and how, you know, that you got the, the vodka cranberry person, uh, the, the, the rum and Coke person, the bourbon on the rocks person, the, uh, uh, martini up person. And the, all those palettes are different or the, just the beer person, or maybe the, the wine connoisseur all very different palettes. And so trying to, trying to appease the masses with minimal products, instead of having 20 different, how can we minimalize this? And four was as small as we could go, uh, to hit those. And then, uh, again, we're going to try really hard in this year. That's our 2020 project to come out with at least one, if not two more flavors. We're working on a, a bourbon, uh, bourbon flavored, uh, especially for the bars and things that we're in that would go pair really well with, with a Manhattan or an old fashioned Sazerac, something along those lines. And we have tried doing Turkey. Uh, we did our pineapple teriyaki, uh, as a Turkey jerky to try it. And pff, it came out freaking awesome. Is that going to be coming out soon or is um, it still kind of, the th- th- these are all in the works. Yeah. Uh, this is all, uh, just fun. It, it, this is fun. It's fun. Like I said, it's a passion project. We're we're just trying things. We're throwing everything in the wall and seeing what sticks. So where do you guys see yourself in a year? Um, man, that's a great question. Uh, Making money, maybe? That that would be nice. <laughs> it would be, you know what? It, it would be nice to get to a point where we can uh, get back to square one. We get back to neutral. If we could just make enough to pay ourselves back, uh, for the you know ten, tens of thousands that we've each put in our, out of our own pocket, if we could get back to where where um, the product can can bring in enough money that we can do all the fun new flavors and stuff, and it's and it's paying for itself. The product pays to do a new flavor and a new package, and maybe a big bag, maybe a a, a larger like a one pound bag for that guy that is going on the road trip or something. That I think that would be the ultimate goal is to get to that point. How about five years? Five years. Um, Every store, you just want to be. Man, I don't know. I, that's such a hard one. I I don't want to. It it may sound cliche or stupid, but I, I really like being that underground kind of. Uh, I I would really like to focus on instead of being that that huge brand that's competing with the big dogs. Um, I'd rather be the brand that is underground, almost like, you know, like, you ever, oh, I listen to underground hip hop, or like, oh, I listen to Outkast before they were huge, you know, like it would be, 
I would love to be the brand that is for that, that surf dog. That, that old surf dog that like, I, I, I get out of the water and I have a bag of SoCal jerky with me. Uh, that, that snowboarder that like, yeah, this is, this is the jerky I eat when I'm on the hill. That, uh, moto guy that's out in the desert, you know, doing 200 mile treks and like, that's his thing and be synonymous and, and be that I would love to be just associated with like that extreme sports and things almost the way the energy drinks are now, you know, like the, like your monster, your Red Bull, things like that, that are those, those companies have somehow become like the number one sponsors for all the extreme sports athletes. I would kill to be in that position The for then this. And I, and I can only speak for myself. I can't speak for Josh or Jesse. I'm oh, just fine. speaking for myself. Yeah. There was a lot of people and a lot of companies that did a lot for me when I was growing up and uh, via sponsorships um, and I would love to get to a point where I can do the same for the up-and-coming Groms I would I would kill to be uh, to be able to sponsor young snowboarders and surfers and skateboarders and be at that point like if if we could get to a point where there's enough money coming in that I can pay athletes and help them and and do whatever we can do to be part of our community that way that I would, I couldn't be happier. That Dude, would, that's awesome. That Such would be the awesome ul- message. ultimate dream for me is to literally have like skateboarders with SoCal jerky stickers on their skateboards and stoke those kids out. Even if it's at a point where it's like, um, I was so blessed that when I retired from snowboarding, my, my grandfather said, Hey, you, you quit, you retire and I will pay for you to go to college. If I could do that for a kid that can't do that. A lot of people don't know that in, in, in extreme sports, you don't really have a, a, a nest egg. You don't have insurance. You don't have a 401k. You don't have that kind of stuff. If you break your femur snowboarding or skateboarding, you're out your career might be gone, you know, and then what do you do with your life? Um, it would be rad to get to a point where we could help those kids out, like uh, set up, set up some sort of nonprofit with it or something where we can help out families or, you know, um, send people to college. Like that would be fucking huge. For Dude, me, that's that awesome. Would be, that would be, that would be the, the greatest blessing in the world to be able to do that. I know you're thriving on this underdog mentality, this underground mentality. I like, I like it. I, I thrive on being the nobody or the, the, the want to be somebody. But with this recipe, I, I don't think it's very long before you guys really start rolling here and this thing takes off. It's uh, the packaging, the jerky, the flavor. It, it's all great. Um, anything else you want to say about the jerky before we roll into some questions? Um, yeah, I, think, I feel like we touched on quite a bit. Yeah, I know we did. We did yeah, good. I, wanna, yeah. <laughs> I, like, I can't. I can't. I wish I, I could. I can't. I feel like when we're done with this interview and, and I'm going to... I'm going to have, oh shoot, I wish I would have thought of this. Yeah. Oh, I should have said this or that. And off the top of my head right now, I can't, uh, I can't think of anything, but I'm sure I'll, I'll I think we <laughs> did good. Sure tomorrow I'm going to be kicking myself in the pants for forgetting stuff. All right. We got a few questions. Questions from the gram here. All right. Uh, at T H O D G O N dog, dog I apparently he knows you. Okay. Um, one of your buddies, one of your cronies, maybe a Grom. I'm not sure at Thawed John. I don't know. How did you learn to bartend and make jerky? He he wanted to make sure I let you know who he was. He didn't he didn't leave his name. Okay, uh, I'm not sure who that is. Uh, I'll have to I'll have to look on on Instagram. Um, 
man, I, I, so we touched on the, how I learned to make beef jerky through my aunt Christine and, uh, I've made it my whole life. And, uh, yeah, that's, I, I think we kind of, we hit on that for quite a while. And then bartending, um, I started, believe it or not, I started bartending before I was 21. Um, my, I lived with my uncle for a little while in Ranch Cucamonga, like I told you, and just an awesome dude. And on Friday nights and things, he was a, uh, uh, he was a narcotics officer and then moved to a homicide for LAPD and, uh, would throw these amazing parties at his house and had this killer game room that was separate from the, from the house. It was a garage originally. They turned it into this game room with a pool table, arcade games, uh, uh, card table, TVs, a full bar, full working bar in, in this game room. And he would have his friends over for parties all the time and on a Friday night or whatever. And they would, he would pay me. He'd give me like, Hey, I'll give you a hundred bucks to stay home on a Friday night and bartend for my friends. They're going to come over and you know, there are quite a few people there and all of his buddies would come over and, and I'd make drinks for people or just open beers and pour them in a glass, whatever <laughs> it may be. It was like, you know, it's a lot of the, the, he would, they would provide all the, all the alcohol, you know, vodkas, rums, things and that. And I didn't know really even how to make, make cocktails, but I just kind of figured it out on the fly and I would talk to them. Hey, what would you like? Oh, you know, honey, just put a little vodka and some cranberry and a little bit of that pineapple juice in that in there for me. Okay, awesome. And I, I just made drinks and I learned how to learned how to use a shaker and and a stirrer and 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 I just started doing that. I think I was seventeen or eighteen, and it was a way for me to make a couple extra bucks. Heck and yeah. and his friends were so cool. Uh, these guys would tip me, and they kicked me down with a couple bucks. And by the end of the night, I'd you know might have a couple hundred bucks in my pocket. That's that then awesome. it became like. Wow, some, I want I want some, to do this. Yeah, some money. Yeah, and uh, it was it 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 kind of came natural. I like to I like to talk to people. I like to interact with people, and and slowly but surely, I I I worked my way into that. And then um, when I did turn twenty one, I was working at there used to be a long time ago. Hasn't been there for a long time. There was a Hard Rock uh, Cafe in Newport Beach in uh, Fashion Island. There was a Hard Rock. And I got a job there for, through my friend, Matt was working there and he got me a job there and he was a server and then became a bartender. And I, I got me a job being a host and, and, uh, I was doing hosting there and then work in the merch booth cause we sold hard rock t-shirts and, and slowly but surely worked my way into, I get behind the bar and make drinks and, and this and that. And it just, it just kind of, I, I'd always go back to it. It's almost like bartending was like a fallback whenever I was doing something else. If, if I needed to make a little bit of money, I could jump in and bartend somewhere and I could, uh, bartend at a wedding. I'd get a, I'd get a gig working a wedding or something or, or someone's birthday or this venue or, Oh, Hey, there's a, a big basketball game or something or blah, blah, blah. Like, uh, we need you to help out over here. I, it just kind of came, came natural and through years and years and years of, of, of kind of falling back on it and doing it, it just became really brainless. It was really easy. And then in 2007, uh, I was working for Ikea at the time and I was doing freelance interior design and doing some other stuff. I got a opportunity to help open a nightclub and design the place and, uh, help out. And in a whirlwind few months, uh, a bunch of people got fired and hired and et cetera. The next thing I knew I was 
uh, I was working for the, the nightclub and I just came in as a consultant in the beginning and the next thing I know I was, I was working there and which was pretty cool. And, and then I was a, a bartender and then I was a bar manager and then, uh, doing a manager there. And within a very short period of time, this is, uh, whenever all the people were selling houses and everyone was in that, that there were people, they were just throwing money around. So being in the nightclub industry was very profitable, enough profitable that I was able to quit my design job for Ikea that I've been at for six years, my desk job Monday through Friday to work three nights a week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, and was making more money doing that. That's crazy. Yeah. It was, it was crazy. It was insane. And, uh, and I had my, Sunday through Thursday day off to snowboard, surf, skate, would do whatever I wanted. Fit your lifestyle perfect. Oh, it was it was amazing, and it was fun. It was a party. I always joke around with people when people ask me all the time, you know, like, um, how'd you get into this, or why 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 do you do this instead of going back to design? I said, well, you know, when I was younger and I was drinking and partying and going out and blah blah blah. Uh, say, oh, you're never gonna make make anything out of yourself in life. Like, oh, you're never gonna get anywhere drinking and partying. And I said, watch me, I'll make a fucking career out of it. Look at me Dude, now. That's how I am. Like, <laughs> tell me I can't and I, yeah, I will. Exactly. I'll make a career out of drinking oh, yeah. a party. Now, and, now look at you. Yeah. All right. Uh, Spencer Kirksey. Uh, now, lo and behold, that there might be a connection with you and Spencer. I didn't even know about. He hit you up saying he might have actually been, been to your bar. Oh, this is your, your buddy Spencer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he, he contacted me via Instagram and um, told me that he, Boss Cat was his, him and his wife's, one of their favorite bars when they lived in Orange yeah, County. Yeah, no, he just moved out there. I mean, moved uh, to where I'm at. So. To Mac. And, uh, and that's just awesome. So I, I hit him back and uh, let him know that I appreciate it and I'm stoked and I'm sure we've probably met and hadn't even known. So uh, invited him to come back in. I'd love to, I'd love to see him again or, or, or meet for the first time <laughs> if we haven't. I told him I'd buy him dinner if he came in. Hey, there you go, and, Spencer. You got a, you got a free Yeah, I'll free buy him dinner and a couple of drinks. Let's hang out. Let's hook up, brother. All right. He wants to know what's the most uncommon meat you've tried to make jerky with. Ooh, I guess it's carne asada. People probably be. I love carne asada so much. But oh. for jerky, um, I've done carne asada. Um, it's it didn't come out bad. It's it's kind of already so flat and yeah. so thin that it doesn't need as much time. It cooked. I mean, it's it's done in half the time that that like a top round would be done in. Um, I thought I feel like it came out pretty good. I'm surprised more people don't do the carne asada. I tried it. I, I, I dabble a little bit. And actually my boss, uh, we have what we call, like to call jerk offs. What he calls yes, it. Yes. I love that. <laughs> you love oh it. dude, that's going to be my new hashtag. <laughs> hashtag jerk off. <laughs> so where we have a competition and, uh, he's kicking my ass and he kind of rubs in my face, me being a, a, a barbecue guy. But, uh, after this, I'm gonna have some inside tips from you. I'm gonna be able to whoop his ass. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I like jerk off. That's fucking what's the, what's some of the more expensive in what's some of the more expensive or hard to find meat that would you use for jerky? Oh man, I would kill, you know, I would kill to have some elk. Uh, I'm a huge fan. My, my in-laws live in Pennsylvania and my father-in-law, uh, ships me out, uh, bison elk jerky, uh, that he can get there. Can't get it in California, but out there, they, they explain that a little bit. Uh, I, I wish I, I wish I knew more about it. Um, game meat, the legalities of game meat and mass producing game meat. There's is, uh, as far as I know, illegal here. Um, uh, you can't just buy it. You can't go to the grocery store and buy elk. That's crazy. And, uh, but when you live in 
in the Midwest and different places, hunters, you can get it from anywhere. He can get, I mean, uh, even when I live, I live in Lake Tahoe for a while and you can get, we get eggs from the neighbor. Neighbors had chickens. You get fresh eggs every morning from them. And so when you live in areas like that, you can get, you have access to that type of thing. So touching on his question, I would, I would love to jerk anything, man. I'll tell you what I would like. I've had, I've had personally, I've had kangaroo jerky. I've had gator jerky. I've had, I love bison. I love, I love elk. My wife's, I mean, venison in general is my wife's favorite. That's why her father ships us out the venison jerky. Uh, whenever he can get his hands on it, it is expensive as hell to get out here though to California and nice. ship it from Pennsylvania. But I, I mean, you, you get me meat and I will jerk it. I will, I'll, I'll, <laughs> that sounds so bad, bro. That sounds so bad. I, I would love for someone to make a meme out of that. Um, um, all right. At highway heathen, you know him highway. Heathen. Yeah, I do. He, yeah, at, that's my buddy, Andrew, Andrew. What's up, Andrew? Shout out. All right. This is a good one. This might be my favorite question. You have to give up whiskey or jerky for a year. I have to give up one for a year. Yeah. Oh, I've done, I've done, uh, I've done both, you know, uh, I've done, uh, I've kicked alcohol. I mean, I've sobered, been like done uh, dry years before I've done, I think multiple years I've done, uh, I've gone, I went sober for a couple of years before just to see how my body reacted. Uh, you and I had a great conversation earlier that I love to try different things. I love to test my body in any way that I can, whether it be different kinds of crazy workouts or, or my diet. And I've tried a vegan diet. Uh, I've done vegan. I've done uh, vegetarian. I've done um, keto and carnivore. I've done keto, keto carnivore, paleo. Uh, I've done raw veg. That's just raw vegetables only. Um, I do, I've done each one for a month plus at a time to see how my body would react. I learned a whole bunch uh, about how my body works and uh, learned a lot about just human, human beings in general. And by doing that, uh, for example, we were talking about uh, doing any kind of vegetarian diet, vegan, vegetarian, raw veg, no body odor whatsoever. Uh, a couple weeks in, you, you could just quit wearing deodorant. So like I could go two, three days. I don't recommend going two, three days without showering, but you could. And I had no body odor. It was so unique. It was, it was really cool. Um, that being said, my, my T levels or my testosterone levels just dropped through the floor. Uh, I had, I had no sex drive. I be, became, um, almost lackadaisical. Uh, and you're never sati satiated. Uh, very, very difficult to ever be full. You just eat, I mean, you just eating raw vegetables all the time. You never feel satiated, never feel, never feel like, oh, your hunger goes away. Um, but it was very fun to try and then uh, introduce uh, red meat back into my diet and I felt like a fucking superhero. Um, I know, I'm super pumped. I'm going carnivore on February 1st. Yeah, and the carnivore was fun. Uh, doing carnivore was, was it, believe it or not, really easy. I mean, if all you're eating is meat, I would do meat and fried eggs and, and it, uh, it was, it was fun to do for a little bit. Um, but I felt like my body adapted to it really quick. The first, the first week felt great and then nothing. And then, uh, you know, your, your bowel movements will def definitely change wait. You're getting, you're, without the fiber in your diet. You're going to very much notice your, your bowel movements are going to change, uh, significantly. Um, but it, it by human nature, it's really neat to learn. Uh, I think men and women, especially, very different needs. Uh, being 
obviously with, with, with the T levels being a, a very important factor for men, for women, very different. They don't, they don't need testosterone. Yeah. So women going vegetarian or, or vegan or anything like that, I don't, I think is a great thing. I, I, I would encourage it. Like try it out and see what you think for men. You will definitely notice that I, I, I've, I can only speak for myself, but man, I, I would have to supplement with something that would bring my T levels up if I was to ever, ever go try vegetarian again. Yeah, that's good to know. Yeah. Um, okay. So Joel and Stacy from reload rub, um, uh, they just underwent a label change. Yeah. Uh, they wanted to know what made you change your labels just in, cause you've only been open for about a year, right? That's correct. And you already under, underwent a, a label change. We did. Um, Whew, this one uh, I'm, is a little bit of a touchy subject. I'm going to try to try to work my way around it without offending anyone. So, um, a few months in to uh, getting our brand going and starting a bit, started getting you know business, and we're now in a few different stores and bars and and different places. Um, we got a cease and desist order in the mail from a lawyer. Uh, uh, another. Uh, Southern California beef jerky company felt like our labeling and our branding was too similar to theirs. Um, at first it was, uh, aggressive and abrasive and, uh, we were on the, on the defense. And so we, we lawyered up as well. Uh, thanks to Jesse. That's why having that, having that trifecta and having that business guy, uh, on hand was great. So we lawyered up and, um, the company didn't have much ground to stand on and, but they were tying us up with legal fees. You have to pay for the lawyer and slowing us, slowing down our productivity of moving forward. So we got to a point where we said, Hey, let's, let's sit down and hash this out. So, uh, I reached out to, to the guys from the other company and said, Hey, can we just, can we just talk? Can we sit down and have a beer and talk like men and, no lawyers involved and see if we can come to an agreement and an understanding. And, uh, we didn't know anything about them <laughs> to, be honest, to be brutally honest. We didn't even, we, we, we had heard of them, but didn't really know them. We didn't really know anything about them, uh, before we started what we were doing. And once we sat down with them man to man and, and, and talked over, over, a, a delicious beverage, um, we came to a very good understanding and I, it was really awesome to, to hear their side and see where they were coming from and them to hear our side. And, and basically they were, they had been around for a while and they felt like our color scheme was too similar to theirs. We had a, a, a cleaver and surfboard cross on our logo that they had a, a two cleaver cross on, on one of their logos. And, uh, we unbeknownst to us, our, our easy up that we had for our farmer's markets that we do, um, was a very similar color to theirs. And so once we sat down, uh, was really able to listen and, and hear their side of the story and see where they were coming from. And it, it made sense and it wasn't aggressive anymore. And, and we, we were able to talk it out. And, uh, and I, I, I kind of looked at one of the guys and just said, Hey man, I wish you would have just called me. I wish you would just called me <laughs> or DM'd me in the yeah. very beginning. We would have, wouldn't have had any legal fees. Like we could have mm -hmm. just talked over a beer in the very beginning and, and when, uh, you know, figured, figured this out. And he said, yep, I wish I would have done that too. <laughs> People get a little sue happy too quick here. In California. Yeah. 
So, but I, and, and again, to be totally honest, I, I, once we sat down and looked at the similarities, I could totally understand their point. I could see where they were coming from and they were trying to protect their brand as a point, you know, I would understand now being in the position I'm in with my new branding and I've spent the last eight months rebranding our brand with our new logos and, and color waves and everything. Oh, the new logos are awesome. And they, and they definitely tie in Southern California into it and all four flavors. So it's pretty cool. Thank you. And we, uh, um, if now someone came out with a brand in Southern California that was similar to ours, I would be in their shoes and I would probably feel the same way that they did right. that like, Hey, you're, you're stepping on my toes. I was here first. And I, so I, I can see where they're coming from. I'm, I'm really hoping that moving forward, uh, when they see all of our, our new packaging, branding, logo, everything that we've redone, I'm really hoping that we can, uh, as gay as this sounds like become friends. Uh, they were really nice guys. They come from a bar background too. Uh, like I do. And, 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 and I'm Josh and Jesse and I both, you know, and we actually got along really well in person that I'm hoping that maybe, you know, you said where I hope to be within the next year, I would love to be, uh, have a ally with them to where, you know, I can reach out to them and they can reach out to me and like, Hey, we're doing this festival. You want to do this together or, or Hey, we're working on flavor. What do you think about this? And, and learn from each other. Um, uh, that would be, that would be fantastic. That's awesome, man. That's yeah. a good message. Yeah. And there's some other, I mean, there's some other, uh, brands from Southern California too, that are, that are up and coming that, um, uh, uh, that I'd like to link up with too. Uh, these guys chew to beef are from here and you guys are awesome they make a fantastic product and uh we've we've pretty much only been in contact via social media and whatnot but um those guys are awesome shout out to to cheetah beef too really really into their product those guys are I'm awesome bigger you definitely yeah. definitely uh i'm a f- tip in your head of jerky i'm a fan i'm yeah. a fan of beef jerky in general so i guess that's where you got to be first fan first of what you're doing and passion seeks speaks through all right, Brandon, uh, that's it. You're officially off the grill. Uh, All right. Thank you for your time. Go ahead and get Brandon a follow at SoCal Jerky Company. Uh, they follow him on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, visit their website, SoCal Jerky Co. Excuse me, SoCalJerkyCo.com. Yeah. Brandon, thank awesome. you for your time, brother. Thank you so much, brother. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. All right, man. We'll catch you guys on the next one. Party. <laughs>